All right, BMX fans, we're back. And by the way, the BMX Weekly podcast show has hit the road once again. And if you hear an echo, 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 <laughs> it's because we're in the Fox Fullerton Theater. We are on stage in front of an audience of zero. <laughs> but that's okay because we have Mr. Todd Huffman and, of course, the host with the most, Dale Holmes, here. And we're about to get into some history and some current events, too. Yeah, sure. What so, I know. So much to talk about. There's so <laughs> much. We have two pages of you asked. timeline. Yeah, and every everything is wrote down is like, I want to know about this. I want to know, you know about so that. So this I might be a that. long one. We might have to do another part two, yeah. but I think we should get into it. Yeah. We have uh, yellow submarines. We have two-piece bikes. We have um, vans with gun turrets on them. We have, we have motocross. We have TV. What else? Seven million dollar budgets. Budgets. We have, <laughs> we have 1975. There's that. So there's a lot to talk about. Todd, oh. thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, no problem. I, am I like the only, is this like the first non-racer podcast you've done? Uh, I think. Because my racing thing doesn't really but count. You but you were a racer. I was. Yeah, we looked at the stats. Mori woke up. <laughs> Hey, what, play, what play did you get? I got fourth in Pro Open. Fourth in Pro Open. And Who's in that main? Major Who's well? in that main? And it was a big money race, too. Oh, the Pattersons were in that race, and Toby, and like it was like. Five grand for first, right? That and race. it was a track was shitty, too, right? Like it was kind of muddy, and you know, I still got the trophy. It's about this big. Little, All right. A little silver Murray World Cup. But it was $5,000 pro post, right? Every class. Dude, my brother raced amateur and was riding for Mongoose at the time and came home with two grand from that race. Wow. I don't, they were just throwing money. Yeah, I made five or six hundred bucks, I think. Or yeah. Just, Close to that for fourth, you know. Yeah, and yeah. After the hell week we did to even get in there, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> we'll so. get into the bus stories on the <laughs> So, yeah, you're the There's first racer, non racer, but you know. No, I think we're about you're to say You're the first industry guy, and somebody, you know, as a boss of both myself and Jason, wrote some checks for us over the years. He was so more thank of a, you boss, for them. a boss for you and a sponsor for me. Right. <laughs> oh, which just came back. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, so that's another story just popped in my head about that. Well, I'm honored to have you guys here in the Fox Fullerton Theater. You know, just to give you a little history, this is a 1925 historic theater here in Fullerton that's been a kind of a charity community project for me for 17 years. In December, I've been involved with this and we saved it from the wrecking ball this is at the amazing. 25th hour, the 25th hour in 2004, and uh, we're putting it back together. So it's a cool place. So I'm looking at this, people, and the ceiling of this place was just recent re recently redone, and it's, it's not necessarily the Sistine Chapel, but it is absolutely amazing. And you could just feel the history in here. Also, too, you were telling me that the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. So what? What? Was yeah, that? it was original. You know, back in the fifties, the Mickey Mouse Club was a kind of a traveling show before TV, mm -hmm. and this was one of the original homes wow. because it was the first movie palace in Orange County. So, there we go. Wow. You know, when Anaheim and Disney was far away, you know, this was kind of like the first. I mean, Disneyland wasn't around yet, right? right? But Anaheim was, right? But this was. The place in the whole region that people came for movies and vaudeville shows. Downstairs, there used to be a place where they'd have the animals and wow. they could sweep out the crap and the yeah. piss and everything because they had animals on the stage and wow. circus acts and stuff. So, nothing cool. but the best from BMX <laughs> Weekly. 
probably old, some ghosts in here as well. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, trust me. You come in here like at midnight and try to like, you got to put some stuff back from an event like in the back. You're looking over your shoulder? Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, no, I can only imagine. That's so, cool. No, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll put some video up and some uh, Hey, someday we're going to have a premiere of some BMX movie, documentary, whatever will be at and the have, We could have like Woody Itson come and do Flatland on the stage. We could put a half pipe on the <laughs> yeah. ramp. Get the GTA show. Good. Yeah, we, yeah, we did that at the Anaheim trade show one year. Because we, we had this huge room. We had the biggest booth of the whole Anaheim Trade Interbike. And they had a stage that was part of our booth space because we had a private room and had a stage. And I think Woody put his ramp up on the stage wow, to do yeah. shows. Full-size ramp. They forklifted the pieces of it. And yeah, yeah. Our ramp, I think our booth was like 20,000 square feet or something. Wow. That <laughs> was huge. Well, we'll get so, into all that. Yeah. Um, let's start at the start. How did you find BMX? How did you get into it? You know, I, I, I'm... I'm kind of part of that first generation of of kids who wanted to race motorcycles and motocross, but from cost <laughs> and mom feeling freaked out about getting hurt, you know, we didn't want to race the motorcycles or poor, so we found BMX when it was just kind of starting to happen, you know, and I think we saw on any Sunday, this kind of the second time, it was released by Yamaha in like 73, it came out in 71, but we saw it the second time it came around and just sat and watched it like three times in a row, and you know, but I lived in Northern California, up by in El Dorado County, uh, outside of Sacramento. So the news going to, you know, as far as BMX, it had already been kind of happening down here for LA for four or five years, you know, with Brian Hop and all those guys. But, you know, my cousin lived in Huntington Beach and he kind of had all the cool news. So, like, when Motomags came out and all that stuff, it was, you know, but she were mowing lawns to keep our Schwinn Stingrays together in order. And, motocross handlebars and number plates out of little mail order ads in the back of dirt bike magazine you know i mean that's when we, how we got started you know so mm-hmm. and then you know finally got a real bmx frame in like 76 or 77 a moto pro superstar which is kind of like a a cheap steel version of a redline square back you know and it 36 was like, bucks it was I'm 36 saying. bucks that's a lot of money back then though yeah i got it for christmas i think or my birthday and we bought it at Larry's Bike Shop, which in Ranch, Sacramento area, there was like one store that sold cool BMX stuff, and it was Larry's in Rancho Cordova. And that's where we got it, and we slowly added a redline fork to it, and then like one moto mag, and then another <laughs> moto mag. I mean, it was, I got pieced together over a couple years. You wouldn't of years. be the first person to race with one mag. <laughs> oh, Jason, mate, what are you talking about? See, the way you well, you know, the patterns, patterns are yeah. strong. They're the just last, everywhere. The last double A guy to make the main with a with, mag on the front? With a mag on the front, so. Yeah. What year was that? I was on MCS, so I would say 2003. 2003. The check was in the mail type thing. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so I rode that for a couple of years and went to a couple races. And uh, Sacramento Speedway was the first races. And, hey, I can honestly say I raced with a rubber band start. So. Nice. Wow. Nice. You know. So I, I have to ask, because I'm seeing on your notes, uh, Todd Huffman, so you know, he's a very good student because he sent us <laughs> – a very detailed outline of his life from 1975 to now. But it shows that you raced Auburn, Grass, uh, Grass Valley, Auburn, Roseville. So I just want to know if the name for Auburn bikes. I was thinking that, yeah. Was, well, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks that, right? Because those three tracks were part of what was known as the Centurion Grand Prix back in the mm-hmm. day. you know, And that was a famous three-track series that mm-hmm. was huge. And everybody came to it. And yes, you know, Stu and the Pattersons and all that was like a big deal. But... And we raced that Auburn DeWitt track a lot. And it was cool because it was kind of a downhill track and had this big drop-off called the Bonsai or whatever at the end, you know. And uh, 
But the name Auburn did not come from there. So, well, dang. Uh, All right. Yeah. So uh, Bob Morales and I were talking about Bob's a car guy. And when we were working together for more distributing later, we were talking about the bike name. And and uh, I, I'd, we'd been talking about the Auburn car, which mm. is a boat tail speedster. They used to make this kind of a English, but not English. They're made in America, whatever. And we're like, oh, that's a cool name. It's yeah. Auburn. Mm-hmm. Completely typical. unrelated to Auburn. Oh, okay. All right. Well, cool. A good question, though, Jason. Uh, so bring us through. So you was in NorCal. So did you – the Pattersons were probably – were they, they were big, big already back oh, then? Yeah. yeah. They were like, you guys already <laughs> – Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I raced that those races in Sacramento a couple times. You know, it felt like there was like a million guys on the, the line because you can't say gate. There's no gate at the mm-hmm. time. It's a rubber band, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, so raced that a little bit. And then – that bike broke and whatever, and then um, I ended up getting one of those first chromoly. Because remember, Mongooses, the first ones were only chromoly, like the front half of them, mm. or the back half. I think the front half. And then pretty soon they released them where they were all chromoly. Like that was the trick Mongoose, right? And it had the cool, clear powder coat. So I got one of those, so I started racing that. That's a legit. And that's we started traveling a little bit, right? So I went to the, the NBA Winter Nationals in Vegas, where you see a lot of those pictures are online. A lot of the same race. Is that Homer? Is that the flat turns? I think I've yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracer posted. Some Tracer stuff. posted yeah. pics, right? Yeah, Homer's yeah. or Desert Surf? Desert or? Surf. Desert Surf. Okay. At Desert Surf, so I went there. We camped out in a tent. <laughs> I raced like fourteen intermediate or something, right? right? But man, that was the day that it was Stu and John George mm-hmm. and the Patterson. You knew who they were. Oh yeah. yeah, well, yeah. We, at that point, we were kind of getting we're magazines. losing magazines, right? Yeah. And uh, I'd mentioned in the notes, but earlier. You know, there was a magazine, Dirt Bike Magazine, came out and they had an article called the BMX Stars. And in it, this is like in 75 or whatever, there was the pictures of, mm. you know, Paul Freeman and Doug Takahashi and these guys, Tom Lund, mm-hmm. all these cool drilled out monoshocks at Yarnell or something. They're, you know, to me, they're 50 feet in the air or something, you know, and it was just like, wow, that's so cool. And mm-hmm. David Clinton on his Kawasaki. And, mm-hmm. and that just. Hey, this is as good as Roger DeCoster and it was yeah. very, Marty Smith to me. It was you know? very MX. Oh, it was so MX then, yeah. you know. So, um, but getting to race at Desert Surf and was really cool because that day John George won everything. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Trophy Dash in yes. the Facebook thing earlier, right? So yes. he won Pro, Pro Open, the Trophy Dash. Like, wow. You know, and the trophies are like these big yeah. slot machines. Metal and marble. Yeah, real, had real slot machines on them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I the see. night before, Stu was riding in the, in the skate park, because there was a skate park next to the BMX track. And Stu comes in with his, you know, I guess it was a, a mongoose with moto mags, even though he's riding for SE, because they didn't have a bike yet. They just were, a, a, maybe they sold T-shirts and jerseys, mm-hmm. Scott mm-hmm. did, you know, but they didn't have a bike yet. And he was just doing these big airs with Tinker Wars and the... Right. Skate park, and we all just like. I've seen some pictures of Tinker doing that, yeah. We were just Roms, you know? And I had pants at my. I went with a family. They had a young son who raced, and they were neighbors in the same apartment building. I got them into racing BMX, and he was like seven. And their mom made us a BMX pants. So we had BMX <laughs> pants that were homemade. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> what about so, uh, when did you start getting good then, like sponsors and stuff? Well, it's interesting because I sucked early on. Like, I was <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, my balls hadn't dropped yet or something <laughs> like that, you know? So, whatever. It didn't, you know? And so when I turned 16, um, and I was still dabbling in motocross, I had a little mm-hmm. um, Yamaha MX100 and, and uh, rode with some people that were really into motocross. And, but I was kind of like the BMX guy, even though I wasn't very good. So you turn 16, and you guys know about the fume syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. You've heard Clayton, the, the whole deal about gas fumes per fume. 
Yes, That's yes. why those 16-year-old age yes, classes yeah, drop changes, off. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. So I got the fume syndrome. Right, right. right. I needed a car, needed mm-hmm, the job, mm-hmm. wanted to get girls, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of didn't race for a while. I saw the bike, went to, was going to motocross races and stuff. And so I got a job and then washing dishes. And then I got kind of some seniority where this restaurant was. And then also I heard there was a, a new BMX track in town and new bike shops and, and that... And it was like a year, in a year's time, that technology just went big leap, right? Mm-hmm. And so I went in to talk to this bike shop, pedal it people. And I hadn't even shown up to race yet again. I hadn't been racing like a year and a half. And they said, oh, there's a, I stopped by the shop and talked to the owners. They're really nice people. They said, oh, yeah, there's a race in Pollock Pines at this Ghost Mountain track. <laughs> That they ran the track, right? And they owned the shop, and, and their team was called the Pellet People Pip Ghost Riders. <laughs> right? That's what we were called, the Ghost yeah. Riders. And man, they instantly said, I don't know, because I was like the oldest guy that was on their team, or they're like, oh, here's a bike. I hadn't raced in a year and a half. Wow. Here's a bike, PK Ripper, mm. brand new. Nice. Wow. Nice. Factory, upgrade. Right? Huge upgrade. Go to the races, kick ass. Wow. Went every class, you know, you know, full gates, you know, for a little UBR sanctioned deal, you know, and I'm like, no problem. Mm, something happened, right? So, and then it was just for the next two years, three years, you know. So, welcome to the '80s, folks. That's how it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is how it worked. You literally could go to a double pointer or a triple pointer, whatever it was, and walk home, go home with a sponsor. Back then, yeah. Wow. I just I hadn't looked for it, and I didn't even think of that part of it until just now. That yeah, I was just a, I just heard there was a track now in my own town, not having to go all the way to Sacramento, right? And just went into this new bike shop that had popped up, and they just. I don't, they must have knew that, figured I knew enough to say, here's a bike. <laughs> here's a shop bike, ride this. And I went, that's so. awesome. And then I was on their team, and because they were an SE dealer, that's how I got in front of Scott, because, you know. So when did you meet Scott? Um, I met Scott at one of the races, you know, because you know, we were racing NorCal, UBR mm-hmm. stuff, you know, ABA Fremont race, whichever, which was, used to be huge, like, insanely. Like, it was a crazy, huge race, like Chandler, you know. It was, like, mm-hmm. one of those big, huge ABA Nationals, and and at some point, you know, because I knew Rod and Perry, I came down for a race in 81 or something like that. Um, who knows, it could have been when, because I worked at two bike shops, right, and at some point I, they knew I had the gift for Gab, and right. they wanted me to come down and work the PD at the trade show at, at Long Beach, when the big trade show, the bike trade show was in Long Beach, so I came down in 81 and worked the show, and they're like, oh, you should just come work for us. So then you stayed in down in SoCal then, did you? Well, I went home, and then in March of 82, I moved down right. permanently. Right. Lived, lived with Rod Beckering. Oh, wow. Cool. And his parents, which was just the craziest. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. It's cool no. to see his son uh, really good at motocross. Totally, uh, totally. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, see him on Instagram. So I have to yeah. ask, because you're just going through this stuff like it's no big deal, because <laughs> it's your yeah. life, which is a big deal, but... I'm seeing created airflow plate <laughs> out of Haro. Yeah. Totally well, so when I was uh, living up north and I'm like, had this kind of entrepreneurial thing brewing or, you know, I said, you know, this, I want to, I need to make a product, you know, I want to make a product. <laughs> and so I took my Haro plate. I was riding like an SE quad at that time mm-hmm. with graphite tough wheels. And it was like, you know, redline flight cranks. It was, it was probably the trickiest bike in that whole mm-hmm. region of, it, California, that bike would be worth a lot now. Yeah, well, I wish I had it now. Yeah, yeah, it, does. it was trick. Yeah, and anyhow, so I had this Haro plate on there, and I'm like, you know, what can I do? And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of wind resistance, and <laughs> so I took the Haro plate, cut it out, cut the center out, 
and got some screen mesh from the, the hardware mesh. store, you know, and glued it and stapled it on the back and right. I airbrushed a big number because I was number one by then. I'd win right. the district <laughs> points race. So that's kind of funny to ask about because I went right from that one first race right to winning that year. Wow. The district, right? Against our 12-year-old teammate. <laughs> um, so I had a number, big number one switch, and I'm like, and so I was going to start this company, right? And uh, it ended up not happening. I made one, a prototype. And, right, that was it. And then I got sucked into moving down south. Right. Mm. So then it was off to the races just selling PK rippers and quads on the phone to dealers and stuff. So, How was the know. scene like? That? I mean, BMX must have been just like booming then, right, in SoCal, <sighs> early 80s? Yeah, you know, it was just there was – you could be every there was guy we were racing in, you know, Ascot and La Mirada and Orange and mm-hmm. – um, Whittier had the track there, and it just seemed like Azusa? you could go anywhere, you know. Azusa was huge, you know, and, and you know, we had, you know, Scott, had, had, Scott had built Narler Park, right? So Narler Park was built yeah. in the fall of 81. And was that a jump spot or a track? It was a track. A track, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was built in the corner of Clark and Conan Street in Long Beach next to Vet Stadium. And it was just a split blank dirt field. I think it's still there, the dirt field is. Oh, wow. Amazingly. Um, where they make DC-10 jets are like right there, you know. <laughs> And so Scott built this race for the 81 NBA Grand Nationals, and so went down and raced that. Um, and then, of course, when I moved there, you know, and worked at SC in 82, that was only a few months later before we left for tour. Where Rod was and SC? I had the keys. Where was SC back then? At Signal Hill. Like Signal Hill, Long, okay. Long Beach, yeah. up on the hills. That's where they Shout were. Shout out Pete D. Yeah, Pete D's place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we had keys to the track and the keys to the lights. Rob Lynch kind of ran the track, but we could go in there right whenever we wanted to. We had the place dialed, you know, so. It says here you got second at Magic Mountain behind Ronnie Anderson, B-Pro. Yeah, pretty yeah, impressive. it was right about the time was Ronnie was moving too, his way up. The Magic Mountain race. You were? Yeah, that's the one that had the big starting hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, it had a yeah, huge starting hill. One, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I hole-shotted it and took the first turn just a little wide. Was he crazy Ronnie then? Uh, he's always crazy, Ron. Right, right. Always, you know. <laughs> I, re- you know, and, and when I first started racing, and when I got what, with the Mongoose bike, when I was going down the Delta BMX, whatever these, these the the um, Anderson kids, right? Richie was like ten. Mm-hmm. You know, Ronnie was maybe fourteen, mm-hmm. right? There's that much difference, right? But I remember they had this huge starting hill at Delta BMX, and after the races, these guys. Are just skying it, you know, this little mm-hmm. 10-year-old Richie Anderson, who's he, you know, mm-hmm. oh, just launching, on, like, riding up and launching I, down. The, I have to crazy. say was, that Richie Anderson is possibly the best amateur racer ever, I had in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to the yeah. point to where you didn't, he got to a certain age where you didn't realize he was an amateur, mm-hmm. but he was... Technically, just I mean, the, I'm just getting from I get videos <laughs> watching those Jaguar championships. How he pedals over the jumps and comes through traffic. But how much he came know? through in the main event, like mm. period, like whether it was start to well, finish or coming from behind. But yeah. he was a great, yes, great. Yeah. Well, and he was yeah. probably like that first rider who went from being a super fast little kid mm-hmm. right up mm-hmm. to the top, right? Yeah. I mean, Donnie Robinson, whatever, did it later, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, you know what I mean. He was kind of that guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Ronnie came underneath me and I got mm-hmm. second. You know, but <laughs> it was cool though. though. Yeah. yeah, Mike Miranda won that day in the, the April. Wow. Oh. Yeah, it was a big deal for Mike Miranda too. I think it was like his first major win in the big class. Yeah. So it was cool. So I remember it's interesting because SE back then was iconic back then. 
to me. It was. To me, I mean, as a kid, right? Like, I kind of did this Jersey Vegas thing, but, like, Essie just seemed so large and big and aspirational. Even, even, even. That's all promo, really wasn't yeah, that well, big. Hey, <laughs> I know. I that's worked the, there. That's the irony, but that's the irony, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, for that's sure. kind of the irony, but, you know, when you're a kid looking in a magazine and you see palm trees and these bikes, yeah. it's just. It's just huge, but and a bus. But when you're selling this stuff, right? You're on the phones, yeah. Between riding and eating Winchell's donuts, <laughs> what? Like, what were the other? Like, what were the as far as like sales and the, like the competing brands? What were the ones that were just like, man, those guys are really, you know, our competition from a sales perspective. I mean, GT, of course, mm-hmm. you know, because they were right there yeah. at the time. Um, Torker, mm-hmm. you know, Hutch, mm-hmm. you know, Diamondback, yeah. You know, those are kind of the the biggies, yeah. the big ones. You know, standard deal. You know, mm-hmm. what's interesting online, like guys who either found stuff in old bike shops or whatever. Like people have actually posted inv- bike shop invoices. Wow, I've seen that in, sent that in England. Some guys do, yeah, yeah. It's cool to see that are prices. invoices that I wow because you'd fill it out by hand. Like, yeah. oh, you want one ball burnish PK Ripper and right. two sets mm-hmm. of Chrome Landing Gear forks and you know SR. I love seeing that stuff right? though. Yeah. But they're my, it's my order. Wow. Right? It's got my name, Salesman Todd, and it's my handwriting, right? Right. Yeah. And it's just, like, so weird. Like, they, yes. they, people collect this stuff. They think it's interesting, you know? No, like, no, oh, I cool. haven't seen that. Touch that piece of paper in mm-hmm. 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know? They they post online like it's, you yeah. know. And my buddy, Joe DeLickleiter, who was our sales manager and team manager for the BMX team, you know, he was a, we were both doing sales at that time, so. But, yeah, calling up dealers. Hey, we got... We got some red PK Ripper frames, but only blue landing gear forks in. You want a set? Right. Because <laughs> the product came in, it was so sporadic, you know. Did you, when you were back then, did you get the sense you were part of something special, or was it just that's what you were doing because that's what you were into? You know, obviously at first it was, I was, and I was always proud to be a part of the brand and the company, and I felt lucky, mm-hmm. you know, to get there. But at some point it kind of, you get a little jaded because it's a job and you kind of see how things are really working, you know, and you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, of course, and Rod was like my best buddy, right? So, and I lived at their house for a while and then I lived with Steve Guyberson in Rod's grandma's house. I wanted to touch on the Guyberson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so Rod was always kind of cynical and he had no problem bagging on Scott. <laughs> like, you know, Scott wasn't, no one like super looked up to Scott, once you got inside the system, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody could kind of see, you know, as cool as he was and what a hero he was. Well, to he's kind of be full of himself a lot to, of times. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you got to know him versus the person, the person. Well, no, because I'm trying to work right? and I make money off of yeah, selling stuff, yeah. and all of a sudden we don't have bikes or yeah, the yeah. chrome landing gear forks don't show up. So I got three orders that are sitting, and yes. you know, everybody starts wondering about what Scott's doing with his extra free time and yeah. and controlled substances mm-hmm. and all, all that stuff started running rampant because, hey, that stuff was around, you know? Mm-hmm. Trust me, it was around, you know? and But uh, one time, and again, Rod didn't cut Scott any slack, and neither did Perry Kramer back in the day, you know? <laughs> um, but I know... Rod and I were going to, wanted to go to this, I don't know, it was like a UBR National or something up in Northern California. We, we were going to drive the van or whatever, you know. And, and so we go into Scott's office, and we're, we're talking. He, I don't know, we, the discussion was something else where he starts bragging about what a big shot he is, right? <laughs> and he's like, hey. No BMXer ever I'm 26 that. years old. Right. I'm tw- almost 27. I own a $6 million a year company, right? And Rod's like... 
Oh, cool. Can we get our entry fees paid to the race this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Next words. Babe, we're on our ass. We just don't have the fucking money. Right. Wow. <laughs> From one to the Same other. Same breath, right? right? So that's, you know. But looking back at it now, it was fun, especially with what TL's doing. You know, it's just such a yeah. huge phenomenon of that brand and being part of the early history of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's... I don't know. It's probably, you know, maybe the one of the, if not the most kind of iconic brands that still has, you know, a legacy that goes that far back. You know, yeah, of course, GT or, you know, Haro or whatever, but for the kind of that cult, hardcore racing. Yeah, in, in an in a, in a interesting way, SE, from a cultural standpoint, is still staying true to what it was from a feel, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know, whereas GT's GT and Haro's Haro, but but SE, even though it's the bike life and these cruisers and the wheelies, but it still feels like it's that creating an old it's that ragtag yeah. grassrootsy. You know, it's not yeah. racing, but it's still no SE. kind of that hardcore focus, but it's still cultural, SE, right? Mm-hmm. Right, enthusiast mm-hmm. following, ground up, right? Yeah, and SE had that, I think, right. back in the time for sure, yeah, for, for sure. sure. And a lot of it, obviously, the products were really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys like Perry, Rod, Iconic. You know, of mm-hmm. course, Stuart was before I got there. He had already moved, went to Redline, you know. But the products were cool. Those guys were iconic. And just like, even like, who would ever pick blue and brown, right. blue and brown. as your team and colors? And it was so awesome. Yeah, it was And great. it still looks good. Right? It does look good. It does look good. I was looking at, uh, through some Snap magazines the yeah. uh, last couple of weeks on the, uh, when Sanchez was on mm-hmm. SC. And he looked good with the long yeah. hair in the back. Yeah, and looked cool. Well, and, yeah. the, and at some point, it was like these big steps to get... Oh, you're a factory guy. You got the pants with the mesh, the Bill Walters pants oh, with the mesh on yeah, the top, yeah, yeah. or you got the jersey with the wings and the shoulders, mm-hmm. right. or, yeah. or the helmet with the wings on. Like those think, are all big yeah. steps as far as mm-hmm. oh, you have the whole kit. Yeah, you're the real guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think right. my favorite. I think my favorite kind of se, and obviously it's because it's my time, right? But it was Lopes, Lopes. Tatton, oh, yeah. Toby. Yeah. I think Rod was still, Rod was still on the team and Bubba. Yeah, and Bubba. And I think that's that it, kind that of app. a, it was like kind of like an with, 83-ish, 85-ish. Yeah, the one with one create rims on pictures one, but of I mean, uh, but Bubba, everybody, one create rims. The, the bikes were, jump. you know, they had the PK rims were aluminum. Like, yeah. Hello. But just the uniforms, everything was just, yeah. for me, it was like, that was like the perfect yeah. SE moment or time. Yeah, that was 83 or 84. And I know Toby had discovered, I think, discovered Brian Lopes, mm-hmm. I think, in Orange. Wow. He was like 10, yeah. just killing it. You know, he's a small guy. And yeah. There's a story that I know Brian and his dad will never let me live down for the rest of my day when Brian got older. And I told I told him, you know, Brian's, I don't think the pro thing's ever going to be good for him. He's just too small. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we had a discussion about Brian in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he proved us all wrong a yes, hundred times did. over. He's awesome, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was kind of part of it. Is like you had the whole kit, you know, and man, like you'd see the co-sponsor kits at the races, and they didn't have the, quite the same jersey and stuff. And you could just, dude. All right, sorry. I know you're the marketing guy. I got to bring this up because you, you're you. <laughs> I was the marketing guy then. Yeah, GT. But no, I'm bringing this up because you just because it's a, it's a it's a it was always a sore point for me. So back in that time frame, my my brother rode for Mongoose, and his jersey said factory, and mine said racing team. But I'm going to blame you right now because, and it was brilliant from a marketing standpoint, but I, in my opinion, I think GT 
was the first people to make like the factory uniform available to everyone. Yeah, yeah, that was, and so it was like it was I think like I this, wasn't there then. Uh, that happened before yeah. I left. That maybe happened in 90s? the late eighties, eighty nine. Yeah, well. okay. Because I'm like, anyways. No, I well, you know, and, and what happened is because of the whole world of sublimation came yes, into it. Yes, yes. And so you admit to make just let's just make one freaking jersey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Every word. Anyway, Gary so. Ellis or yeah, yeah, little Jason Richardson could wear right, it, right? right. So. Don't get me wrong, I wanted that factory <laughs> jersey, but I didn't get it. Well, that was the other thing with yeah. SE going, looking back, is those jerseys, the jerseys that said factory boys, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like a big deal, right? Like, mm. you had Sounds greedy now, that. didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you gotta watch factory that boys. one, but yeah. yeah. I was on the boys team. <laughs> anyways, yeah. boys. factory boys. Anyways, tell us real quick, because uh, Steve Gibson yes. said you lived with him, and that guy is, is a whole podcast in his own, mm-hmm. you know, it would be great. Yeah, well, and yeah. actually, it'll tie back into a, a funny story I think people enjoy with Rod, Rod's dad. So, so Guyby, it was the four of us hanging out, right? Dwayne Ballinger, who was a Robinson rider at the time, he was, and then he kind of became an SE rider. And he's two years younger than Rod. And then there was Rod, and then there was me, and I'm two years older than Rod. And then there was Guyby, and Guyby was an SE rider. And he's two years older than me, right? And so we all hung out together. Guy B. Worked was the photo guy at BMX Action Magazine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So we all raced, and, you know, Rod didn't cut anybody, anybody ever slack. And Guy B. was always the, the butt end of Rod's sarcasm, jokes, whatever, you know. So, but Rod's grandma, Hattie, this is Rod's dad's mom, had a house in Lakewood, and she rented rooms out. And so when I first moved to... Rod's house, when I first moved down, I stayed in like their spare bedroom, whatever. But as soon as a room came available, I moved in with Hatt, Hattie's house, and Guyby lived there, mm-hmm. right? So Guyby and I would, he'd go to Wizard and I'd go to SC because the lake was close to Long Beach, you know? So, but we all hung out at night together, right? Mm-hmm. It was just nothing but working on bikes, going to Winchell's Donuts, working on bikes. Like, you know, maybe there was some pot smoked in between there occasionally or whatever but anyhow it happened um so um guyby lived there and i lived there and then um but we get together at rod's house and rod's dad was russ was a character you asked perry anybody russ beckering character 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 he was an ex um car transport driver for New cars, right? He'd fallen off the top of the thing or whatever and lost all the feeling in his arm oh, or whatever. And he'd probably drank too much and whatever, you know. So he hung out these local bars and sometimes Rod and I would have to go get his dad oh, wow. out of the bar, right? Because he had this local bar he hung out in. And uh, so one time, and, and we'd be in Rod's garage working on bikes. But you could hear what happens outside, right? And Guy be sitting there and Guy be just bought this brand new Chevy Isuzu truck. The Isuzu poop, you know, poop truck. <laughs> Anyhow, and it was parked out in front of Rod's house, right? And we knew where it was parked. And Rod's dad came home, a little buzzed, and uh, we hear the truck roar in, and then we hear it stop, and then we hear it back up, and we know where it's backing up because where he always parked it, right? And also, we hear it go, <laughs> and I look over at Guyby, and he uh, he just winces he just closes his eyes because <laughs> he knew his truck had just been backed into right and so and because russ had fallen off the truck so many times his back was all kind of fused together and he kind of waddled and walked you know but he was buzzed he comes walking and so it's me Dwayne, guyby and rod 
And Rod and his dad fought all the time, you know. Russ comes walking in the garage. He goes, hey, Guyby, I just backed into your truck. <laughs> Big fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> and Guyby just goes, nice. <laughs> right? And what I was going to say. And Rod and him just lit into his dad and, you know, yeah, it was, you know, good times. <laughs> That's my Guyby story. But Guyby, you know, now he's, you know, vital and. Did, so after BMX actually, did he do plus and then bicycles and today, or did he do not do plus? <sighs> he definitely did bicycles and bicycles and today, right? I think so. I kind of, yeah. I kind of mm -hmm. daily. I don't remember, but I do know when I lived with Guyby, we'd ride our bikes over to, the, and he was in a motocross. He'd go to Saddleback and take yeah. pictures and stuff, right? And and you know, because now it's a fun fact, he's a famous photographer in the motorcycle. Yeah, and stuff absolutely. Like that, right? yeah, so yeah. we rode our bikes one night from Hattie's house over to the local Payless, you know, around the corner in Lakewood there. And we go straight to the magazine rack, you know, where all the moto magazines are, right? And we're flipping through stuff. And he's flipping through a motocross action magazine. Goes, he stops. He goes, that's my picture. Wow. Nice. I shot that. And it's this full-color picture of Mark Barnett at Saddleback, you know, from behind. You know, big roost coming off, perfectly tack sharp, autofo, you know, bitching, full page. And it's his picture. He shot the picture at Saddleback. And well, he's doing it earlier than one. Bicycles and dirt. That's the magazine, that's I think. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that, would, that had to have been 80. 82 or 83, because I moved out of there in 83 with the girlfriend. So, um, yeah, and I think he got paid like $15 or something wow. from from High Torque Publications. You know? Even his pictures back then were good when you saw Yeah, them, it was know? neat. So. And vital today. Yeah, good yeah. for him. So, Still doing yeah, great stuff. All right, so then we move into 83, 84. Yeah, you kind of skipped the, well, skip the bus thing if you want to talk about that. Yes, tell us about bit. the bus. Yes. Traveling across uh, the country. Right? The bus. So when I moved down in 82, March of 82, there was an NBL race at Long Beach where the, they have the car races right down there mm. by this, the, um, on shore, off Shoreline Drive. Big pro race. NBL wore the stars right next to the convention center. And that was like, yeah, it was March of 82. I made the pro open main. I can't remember what I got, but what is it I was always going to practice. I would what, is win it, practice. what is it with you and open? I was good at that, you know. That's why GT guys got good contingency for <laughs> Open as well. <laughs> it all counts. Yeah, yeah. Was, so anyhow, but he then... He was sympathetic to, yeah. to knowing. Well, <laughs> so the idea was to get ready to go on tour with the bus, right? And that bus had been parked since 70, the 77 tour. Wow. Out behind SC's building, right? And it was sitting in this blank field with... There was a bar in the, in the, in the complex and some oil rigs, and the bus is just sitting there, right? The tires are flat, and mm -hmm. it's just left over from... It's like an old you war know, tank. Four or five years earlier tour, right? And it hadn't been touched since, nothing, right? Just sitting there, like a tank, yeah. Right. And so that was then the camo thing was also, Scott's like, hey, we're going to go back east on tour, the Murray World Cup, and let's fix the bus up, right? <laughs> so it spent all the time on making it look cool, right? Painting Did it, it work? Well, <laughs> that was the problem. There wasn't much on the mechanicals of the yeah. bus. You know, they got it running, you know. They put a, turned it into like a little motor home mm -hmm. with a table and mm -hmm. a refrigerator and all that stuff inside. Put the turret on top. And, you know, the famous pictures of all of us hanging out of it on Long Beach, that was taken the, the day we took off. got running, the day we took off, heading east, right? And Oz took those pictures and stuff on the 405 freeway. And, man, that night, middle of the night, broke down. The Ludlow Triangle, Jeez. first time, right? How and far, we're far, far in the middle of nowhere out. Well, far enough to where Rod and I had to ride our bikes like 20 miles in the town <laughs> to get a tow truck. Like down the, the, the 40 freeway, Jeez. right? And that was like breakdown number one. <laughs> 
and it just went on and on and on. Things just kept breaking down, overheating. Every little thing could go wrong, went wrong. We ended up in Albuquerque. That's it. That's, that's the picture. It, yep. That was taken the day we I've left. Seen that picture. <laughs> and so, and we get to Albuquerque. We make it to Albuquerque. Um, well, and before that, Flagstaff was doing poor Lonnie Catton. Got, he was 12, maybe. I don't know why his parents let him go with us. I it was mean, the 80s. Was, <laughs> and there was alcohol, and poor Lonnie was, got buzzed, and it was, anyhow. So we end up putting those kids, because they're going to, there was like some early practice or something in Tennessee that they were going to miss, right? So we, so we instantly put Bubba and Lonnie and somebody else on the, a plane in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. They're going to fly to the races, right? We're going to still drive in, right? So we kept going across the countryside. And again, breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Thank God Dwayne Ballinger at the ripe age of 15, his dad was a mechanic, so he kind of knew some things. So mm -hmm. he was helping work on the bus, mm -hmm. right? Imagine that now, 15 yeah. year old. And Perry's with us, and Rod, me, Dwayne. And we had this Australian, Peter, I can't remember what Peter's last name is. He was a team manager for the Australian SE team. And he had brought this little gal over. She was like 10 or 9. I can't remember what her name is. Anyhow, she was with us, right? So this was the group that was still, and Joe Licklider was the team manager, so he's in charge. And so we get through Texas, we get to Memphis, out just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, and um, no, we're in Arkansas. It's like the closer yeah. you get, the further you are away. Oh yeah, Arkansas, right? <laughs> and so this is the day before our the races start, mm -hmm. right? We're like in Arkansas, so almost to Memphis, and the bus finally just says, "No, I'm done," right? And this this radiator hose that was like looked like something that should have been on the space shuttle because it was like really small at one end and it made like eight five mm -hmm. eight thousand turns and it was like five times bigger at the other end went south right and so they send and it's raining they send rod and Dwayne ride one way into town to try to get a part or see if they can get a tow truck or whatever meanwhile there's a the bus died right in front of a bus graveyard mm. right but, man, it was Arkansas hillbilly country, right? And so Perry and I are looking at each other like, do you want to go down there and go scrounging around on somebody? You know, and we're like, no, it ain't happening, right? right? So at some point, I don't know if they don't find parts. And then there was this, used to be this rocker called Squeaky who made these rock and roll songs, recorded these songs called Squeaky Rocks BMX. You know, like this long-haired guy who thought he was going to make a million dollars writing rock hard rock songs about BMX, right? His name was Squeaky. Yeah. He stops. Right. Right? And, hey, guys, what's happening? It's long hair, whatever. <laughs> and we take this picture of, um, I think Perry or Joe was whipping us, but it was like all of us hanging on the bus with our pants down, and he's whipping us. We get this picture of, I forget, it was a Polaroid or something. Like, right. give, this to, give this to fucking Scott. Right. Because Scott was going to fly to the race, right? Right. <clears throat> so somehow we make a hose. We fix the hose by using bicycle inner tubes and <laughs> soda cans mm. as the support for, wow. the, for the rubber on the, to get the bus going again, right? We get the bus going. Wow. And that night we go through Memphis and I'm sleeping. And the next thing I hear is the all too familiar sounds of the emergency flashers. <laughs> on the bus. By now we know that sound. Right, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. It's off the right. side of the road. Here we go again. Here we go again. It's the middle of the night. 
And Joe, the team manager, and I'm 19, he's waking me up. Todd, the bus broke down again. He goes, this time for good. <laughs> he goes, I need you to go to take it, go with this complete stranger, just a good Samaritan and his wife or something who stopped. I need you to go ride with these people into Nashville and rent a U-Haul to come back to pick up you guys and get to the track, mm-hmm. right? That the uh, Knoxville for the mur- first Murray World Cup. It's, this is going to make a great movie someday. Um, <laughs> so I'm west of Nashville. We're still west of Nashville, right? We're between Memphis and Nashville. So I have to go east into Nashville in the middle of the night, let alone try to find a 24-hour U-Haul rental place, right. which I do. Rent this little Ford Courier box, U-Haul box truck, Ford <laughs> Courier front end, mm-hmm. mini truck. So it's tiny. With a box on the back, right? With no separation, no window. Hey, nothing, just a box. So I get this thing, I drive back. It only goes 55. It's got one of those governors on there, mm-hmm. right? It only goes 55. It starts going 50, 53, 54, oh, it starts bogging at 55, right? I drive this thing back. Oh, Dwight Lowell was with us, our cruiser rider. Funny guy. Anyhow, so pull up to the bus, and it's like early morning now. Maybe it's not dark yet, but it light yet, but it's getting, you know. We throw in all the gear, the bikes. Perry's driving. The Australian team manager and the little girl are up front. And by now, it's just, yeah, Dwayne had to stay with the bus with Joe, the team manager. So it's me and Dwight Lowell in this box with our, all the bikes and the gear. It's dark. It's as black as in outer space, right? right? Inside. Not a, you know, barely any air. You can't see nothing. Take off. Heading east. So we still got to go through Nashville because Knoxville is in the east side of the state. Right. And we don't know that the time changes, too, from Nashville. Right. So we you're lose losing an hour. An hour. <laughs> losing an hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... We're driving, and it's dark, and I don't see Rod. I don't, I, we're just breathing and talking, sleeping, whatever, right? And, uh, this little truck maxed out. And at some point, Rod goes, oh, uh, I got to take a shit. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> Dude, just chill, hold it, right? And Dwight is not saying, we don't even know he, there's another human being on the other side of the the box, right? He's so quiet, right? And after a while, Rod's going, oh man, I really got to go. <laughs> you can't bang on the side to tell Perry to pull over because it's separated between mm-hmm. the box and the cab of the truck. And at some point, it keeps going, going, and some foul orders are already eking out, you know? And at some point, he goes, I can't take it anymore. I'm cramping up. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, don't, don't. And finally, he just goes, screw it. I'm just shitting a pillowcase. <laughs> yeah, grant you it's Tennessee and it's almost the end of June right so it's, so it's, it's warm it's warm <laughs> it's humid yeah some moisture in the yeah. air yeah and, and so at some point Rod gets a pillowcase and does his thing and it's just this big loud noisy liquidy sound right just oh, right I don't see nothing it's all done in the dark this is mm-hmm. completely all happens via audio right because there's no pictures <laughs> And, and it just smells bad, horrible, right? <laughs> and at that point, we finally hear from Dwight sitting across. All I hear him go, 
fuck. Like <laughs> just it was so bad. But about that time, Perry's pulling off the, the we hear the truck pulling off the freeway, right? You can tell the sound and mm-hmm. he's turning. And we're just, the, it's bad. And also we pull up like, and we hear him, Perry talking to Scott. Hey, dude, we got here. Yeah, you guys are here. We are pounding on the side of the box. Right. Let yeah. us out. Let us out. You know, so they go park or whatever. And man, they open that door. And Fumes. we just come out. <laughs> Hair, sweat. Me and Dwight, shh. you know, Rod's got this little. And we're, we're and it's like our, our pro practice is almost over. So like, right. Because we missed the hour, right? And all right. of a sudden, Rod's got his little goodie bag. He quickly goes and stashes. And it was like throw the gear on, go to the line, you know, and it was a crappy track and it was kind of muddy, it rained and it was rutted and whatever, you know, and, right. and race. Also, to this day, is known as the Pillowcase Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, wow. it's known as the Pillowcase Massacre. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, that's... Uh, the glory days. Yeah, and shortly thereafter, that was one weekend... I was only on tour that weekend for three or four, three weeks, I think. But we raced Knoxville, and then the next weekend was two NBL Nationals, one in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, where the Murray plant was, and one in Nashville, that famous Dixieland mm-hmm. track, right? Yeah, Longford Strait. Yeah, yeah. So in between then, we went to Opryland, and we were farting around in Tennessee, right, because we were just in that same mm-hmm. area. And we went the Friday before the Lawrenceburg race. We got a tour of... Because ma- uh, Murray was making this low-end SE bike, right? Mm-hmm. And Scott had arranged us to get a tour, you know, when the plant closed, right? So on the way to the... And the bus is working. Somehow we got it, they got it fixed. It was working again by then. And uh, so we take the bus to the, um, for the race. And Perry's driving. And he goes over this, like, railroad tracks thing. He gets air. Like, the whole... This big bus goes <sighs> completely off the ground. <laughs> You know, bad suspension and everything, you know. Wild. What happened to the bus in the end, though? Where is it just... No, it stayed on tour all summer long. You know, they kept patching it back together, you know. Band-aid, and, you band-aid, know, band-aid. And then whatever was that some Later that year when Scott drug underneath the Tropicana Hotel at the NBL, uh, the World Champion, uh, Jag World Championships in Vegas, and just removed, scraped the whole turret. That was the end the of the bikes, it. the luggage. That was the end of that part of the bus. The bus right. never had that again after that. Right. We're all inside. <laughs> Scott just goes wheeling into this place, and all of a sudden, big crash, man. All of a sudden, bikes are falling down like raining bikes on the side of the mm. bus. You know, out the windows are all uh, like, God, Scott, what are you doing, you idiot? You know, right. the bus is now wedged underneath this thing at the Tropicana Hotel. You know? uh. Yeah, so. And then at Lawrenceburg, I went from at the race itself that in Tennessee, I went from whole shot B pro, went from first to dead last, <laughs> and didn't crash. No one took me out. Didn't <laughs> slip a pedal. Just nothing but stupid mistakes the whole way. Right. And getting more frustrated around every turn, every jump, you know. So, and the next day, Nashville, I won. So, killed mm. it. Nice. Made B pro main and the pro main. I don't know when I got an open pro main, the pro open main, but I redeemed myself the next day. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was painful the first day, though. And you guys obviously go back to California. Yeah, I flew back, though. Right. I flew back and just went to work, and then Rod and those guys. They had all kinds of other Activities. fun adventures on the bus after that, you know, so. Yeah. Well, ne- next, next few years then, so. Yeah. 
So he went into like 83, 84, 85. So I quit working for SE, right? Just over it. Yeah. Well, I was kind of over. We had moved in this big building and Scott's, you know, personal Habits. problems were getting in the way yeah. of my paychecks and new girlfriend and all that stuff. And I bought a new car and everything. And at some point, you know, it was 84, 85. I just, Scott and I had a big fight and he's taking his fake teeth out that some dealer had knocked out of his teeth and. It was a big, ugly scene, and I quit. Right. Left. And I'd been friends with Bob Morales for years, and Torker had just gone out of business, and there was this big bankruptcy thing at the Torker place in Fullerton here. And uh, so Bob Morales and I went to this Torker auction. I quit SE one day and talked to Bob, and we're like, hey, let's form a company together distributing, because they knew I knew all the dealers, because I was calling them. You know? Yeah, I yeah. Dealers at the Black Wazoo. Book. I had a book, yeah. And so... We went to the Torker auction, and everybody's there buying stuff, right? <laughs> Everybody in the whole industry is like scavengers, you know. Richard and Gary Long are there. Richard, Turner, Richard Long and Gary Turner are there, and they're buying all the machinery, yep. you know. And, and so Bob and I show up, and Torker was building complete bikes, like SE was, you know, get bike kits, right? Mm -hmm. American-made frame and fork, box of parts, wheels, handlebars, yep. cranks and stuff, right? So they had a whole lot of parts from their home, you know, and that was one lot, you know, at the auction. So Bob and I bid on that lot, and we got it for 3600 bucks. I think, was the number. And he borrowed money from his mom, Sharon. She's a great lady. And then Bob was working building dyno number plates and pants out of GT's building in Huntington Beach, like the little extra mm -hmm. offices and stuff. And so I moved right in there, and we loaded the stuff in there. And I get on the phone to Bob's office, and I start selling these parts, you know. At some point, Richard Long walks in and is like going, what the hell's going, What's going on? What's going on here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, so it's kind of how I kind of met Richard to my the business side. I'd met Richard years before when I worked at the bike shop, but yeah, so that created more distributing, um, which ultimately led to the creation of Auburn and all that stuff. So, so you and Bob was partners on that, right? Correct, like 50, 50 partners. Yeah, more distributing was Bob had had started that. I don't know, had the name for the company distribution, but he never did anything with it because he was just busy doing dyno. And the AFA, American Freestyle Association, mm -hmm. too, at the time. Mm -hmm. So he had more distributing kind of as, as something that wasn't. He's like, let's just call it, yeah, let's just use this. I already have a logo, and, mm -hmm. and it's the first half of his last name, yeah. Morales. So it's more distributing. So you've got Dino, Odyssey, Dicomp, GT Parts, SE, CW. So quite. Yeah, we were selling quite, some stuff, yeah, you know, yeah, but we were only buying like a few of this and a few of that, you know what I mean? But we thought we were big shots, and Bob had his Porsche, and we were all living together, too, right? So I lived at. The, me and the girlfriend had broken up, so I was living at Bob's house in Huntington Beach. Gork lived with us. Right. And I think it was either, it must have been when Gork was working for CWs when he started. It was when he was, we were all living together, and Frank Skur was there, and oh, Frank, it was a wild, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild, wild time That's a there, good crew. you know, so it was fun. When did know. TC come into the picture, around this time then? A, a little, a couple yeah. years later, yeah, so the interesting thing about, and this gets into some Auburn history, so... Bob and I wanted to build our own bike, and I was like, you know, motocross is so huge. Let's see if we can get a license from Honda, and we're going to make a bike that looks just like one of those mid-'80s CR Honda factory mm -hmm. bikes, you know, with the blue seat, red with the gold wheels, and, you know, we'll have a two-piece bike, live back with Luna, works link type mm -hmm. of thing, pro-link thing, you know. So Dale Davis, who was doing um, ads, and he was an artist for GT, you know, freelance guy, super good guy. He's involved kind of with 6D helmets and stuff now. I went to him, and he made me an artist rendering of a Honda 
BMX bike. All right, cool artist with the, I don't know what the, what do you call that, felt paper or whatever it was that you can see through tracing paper. And it was mm -hmm. all perfectly to scale, held yeah. on it, and it was Auburn bike. The bent top tube, mm -hmm. you know, everything, Honda, right? And we're like, okay, this is cool. So we brought it to Honda, right? Somehow I got a hold of it, knew someone in licensing or, you know, I wasn't afraid to pick up the phone. And they turned us down. Said, no, we don't want the risk or whatever. That was too big for our bridges anyway, right? But we had the drawing and the bike looked cool. And, you know, we're like, we should do this anyway, right? So we were importing some scooters uh, at the time with this gentleman in Gardena. And he was also the guy who had imported all the Taiwan bikes for SE at the time. That's when mm -hmm. I met him. And he was also importing CW, low-end bikes, Sky Bob Shoe. And so the factory, one of the factories in Taiwan, made the first Auburn frame. Mm. It was made in, it wasn't made here. Did it you was go made over there? Taiwan. I didn't go over there. We sent the drawing over there, and we got this thing back, and it was like this thing weighed like 20 pounds, and, you know, it was kind of crude, and... But it was what it was two pieces and yeah yeah you know it looked I mean the part. it looked the part and and we're like cool you know and and we put it together and uh, this was in '87 I think. So what I didn't know I didn't know Rod Beckering rode, rode and raced the first, the one. first one. Yeah. Rod Beckering rode that bike. We put he took put all his flight cranks and all stuff on this bike. It was it was chromoly, but it was thick Must and it was heavy. heavy. It was heavy, you know, kind of rough. But he rode that bike, raced it at the World Cup mm -hmm. in Irvine. Okay. And that's where I met TC. And TC rode for Murray. Yep. And at the yep. And so I met TC. Gork was the one who introduced me to to TC there. Mm -hmm. Just as hey, you guys should know each other. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, Rod yeah. wasn't really competitive, you know, at that time. But mm -hmm. he rode the bike, raced the bike there, you know. And yeah. And um, at that time, you know, shortly thereafter, it was like, okay, how do we make these to sell them now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went to Gary, and then he made another version of it, all made in America, but the the chain stays were all multi-piece you know it was mm -hmm. all welded and mitered and you know I it wasn't made for gary production. did it gary made the, uh, the salt mm -hmm. did he? he made the first kind of american-made prototype right they were like okay this is cool this will work and i think danny moe even had rode that bike yeah you know, I still it, was, it. it was danny and tc for a while well it was just danny for yeah. a little while yeah and then i hooked back up with tc at the um lake elsinore aba national I think that's where I said, hey, come ride for me. and Because mm -hmm. I think he'd already moved out here by then. Yep. Mm -hmm. He was living in Moreno Valley. And that's kind of when it started. It, Danny was already kind of racing for us for six months or so. But then Gary took that bike and says, okay, we need <laughs> Danny to make this almost to sell. Won, Danny almost won the Grands. He did. 89 Grands on that. Got passed by Mike King. He did. In the last I was you think you put that I, Yeah, I just got the video, and that's yeah. where King got the, uh, got yeah. the title. Danny Millie was pretty, pretty yeah, good style. Un underrated as a rider. I mean, he got a lot of coverage back then. I followed yeah. him because I rode for Powerlight in England. He was in Powerlight he in the U.S., KMAC. so I actually kind of zoomed in yeah. on that dude, and then he yeah, went I mean, from Powerlight to, yeah. to you. I was losing my I was losing my stuff in the grandstands at the – that, yeah, the grants that year, yeah. you know, um, that was '88, I think, because I was working eight or nine. Yeah, I was working yeah. for GT in '89, so yeah. it was 80, it had been '88, you know, and um, it was a red frame. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, and, and you know, because Bob's a good artist and has yeah. a good style, and I kind of knew a little, you know, whatever. So everything with Auburn and more, we try to do big, even though we're this tiny little. Yeah, you know, so we try to have a big image. We came up with that Danny the Missile Millie mm -hmm. Red Rocket, mm -hmm. little tiny ad, you know. But it was cool. Well, Millie's was like, look was dope. It was really nice. I mean, then he always had that KNAC sticker. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. You know, it was a radio station, but you know. Well, was, and of but, course, you know, then him and him though. and TC team up, you know, with Biggie, and you know, got the E team versus yep. 
Yep. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 AC, and that right. wasn't really the right thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and Robbie Morales, you know, bouncing back as a 15 yeah. year old kid in between them, you know, so. I was Robo. Yeah. Right. I was on yeah. Auburn with Robbie for a minute. Were you? Okay, yeah. so you were part of that next kind of generation. Yeah. When you guys, I was the the first green blue uniform. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you started sponsoring, like, say, how did you get the with the money? That was all from the business, from the yeah, sales? just just from the business. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, you was still, making it work straight away, though. Yeah, just yeah. you know, and the problem, the whole problem with that, you know. I know it now. I don't want to make the same. Is we're just under no, never had enough money. Undercapitalized. Right. You know, you need big money to import bikes from Taiwan, and yeah, you know. All of a sudden, I got, I started getting bills you know, with GT for making those bikes, and you know, um, and they were hard to put together. You know, took you know, I had Biggie putting them together, and John Salami, and you know, we had all these guys working in the shop trying to put the bikes together, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, had. I don't know. My, idea, my, my ideas and plans are always bigger than my pocket. Was the idea for the works link to have different size Oh, totally ends. was. That yeah. was. And it just never happened. Never you know happened, what I mean? Right. I mean, people liked them the way they were. And and about that time also was when, you know, we were like running out. We just didn't have enough money to do that. You know, my ideas and Bob's ideas were always bigger than our pocketbooks, right. right? So at some point, you know, you just kind of want a real paycheck, you know? And that was about the time Richard came along, right? So was that the deal? It was like, hey, you owe us this much money for bikes. How about we just take over the bike company? A little bit. There was an outstanding <laughs> some bills due for sure. It's like some Tony Soprano. But about no, nah, not really though. But you know, Sean Buckley had just left GT, and Richard's uh-huh. looking for a smart. He obviously could see that you were hustling, for hustling. Sure. You know, we were doing whatever it took, and it wasn't like it was millions of dollars. You know, whatever. But Richard's like, okay, I can absorb these guys and give you know Todd a good job and get a smart guy yeah yeah to work for me because i need a place now sean's Mm -hmm. gone you know so it it worked out perfect because i was it was tough you know and you know we'd come out with a thing and and at the time it happened you know tc and biggie and those guys were on tour in the toaster right Mm -hmm. the little mitsubishi minivan and again that was just another thing how do you make a cool little factory rig out of this you know make a big impression with a little budget you know and the toaster was kind of part of that with the auburn and the uniforms. So, they, so. They, he, Richard still said, okay, I still want you to run the team. Now you're under our, our umbrella. You still have the kind of the... Yeah, but he wanted me like to... Do. He wanted, and this is where it was really good for me, is, hey, you be the marketing guy for the whole company. For everything. Yeah. You know, so now, and I always had, you know, we wanted to design cool bikes and run big ads and BMX Action and BMX Plus, and we could never afford any of that stuff, right? So, oh, you're going to work for GT now. Oh, you fun. still got your brand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you're going to be able to do all these awesome things. Yeah. And it was just being creative, right? Yeah. Like, you know, why not pay for it? Yeah, fine. Okay, fine. It's on Auburn now. That's a Gary yeah. Ellis ad. I don't care. It's yeah, yeah. Bitching, and we get to do it. How, exactly. How old would you have been then? I was 26 when I moved. Worked, so that's a good gig. That's a really good gig. It that's was like a good gig for me. dream gig. I probably didn't ask for enough money to work there, though, because I kind of found out later. And that was that a I, dream I was gig for cheap. Rich, too. <laughs> it was a dream. Yeah. So, I mean, he took care of us later, yeah, you know, for course. sure, you know. But I was eager to, like, I'll, I'll take anything. You know, like, mm-hmm. get me out of this thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was fine because that whole 10 years, because that was my career with GT was 10 years, you know. It was perfect, fun. We were at the that's height. It. We were at the height of wow. everything. That's it. I always felt like it was longer. It's only 10 years. 89 to 98. Wow. You know? And again, you know, so when I went to work with GT, we were doing like $36 million a year in business, you know? So it was going to be a big leap in the next 10 years. Well, before we get into the real yeah. nitty gritty of GT, so I'm really interested about all this part. So I'm super excited to talk oh, you about got all time this stuff. To, you want yeah, to start yeah. Stop? Let's take a quick break yep. and then we'll come back in a minute. Part two 
GT talk. That's it, Dale. Your time to shine. Well, it's still not. It's still not quite my time yet. So it's eighty, eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, I'm at GT now. I think you're at GT. You, yeah, rich, long, absorbed Auburn. You have a legit job as the marketing guy for all the brands. Yeah. And at the time, my job was because Sean Buckley was there before me, and Magoo had just left, and I was in charge of all the teams. BMX and freestyle, so that was the GT team. And at the time, we had a Dino freestyle team, GT freestyle team, and a Robinson team. Uh, we had just acquired Powerlight, the brand, and mm-hmm. Chuck Robinson was kind of helping get that going because he worked there too. And then I was also in charge of all the, the art department because GT did all their own in-house ads and photos and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then you know, there was videos and trade shows. and How exciting. Yeah, it was fun. There was I mean, a lot going on. Yeah, just like a fire hose. No shortage Everybody of work. Everybody wanted to be your friend, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, tough because, you know, we ended up having to do some deals with, you know, Scott Breithaupt was the TV guy or sniffing around. He was sniffing around looking for a deal, right? Because SE was on the ropes at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, here I am having to deal with Scott again. <laughs> you know, after the big blowout we'd had years earlier, you know. And so it was kind of weird, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. I mean, we're going to... I mean, I think I started in August of 89 and... You know, two weeks later, Rich was like, okay, the first thing you do, you got to take the freestyle team back to Wilkerson's contests back east, you know, the Brooklyn Banks, famous mm-hmm. Brooklyn wow. street contest. Yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Banks, you know, that was a famous In skateboarding as well. Scene. What's that? In skateboarding as well. Brooklyn oh, was Banks. it? They, they, well, I think they still, I think it became they, that yeah, probably yeah, because yeah, of that, you know, yeah. but I think Ron was kind of the first one to discover that as a place to ride. And mm-hmm. so it was me and Dave Volker and the Castillos, Ruben Castillo. <laughs> crazy little fun guy and so there was a street contest at brooklyn banks and there was a vert contest out on long island right so that was so that was kind of like my first thing as the gt guy was to go to that contest with those guys and and it was near you know dave Volker. all those guys wanted to go get crazy and dave Volker was like the only one like hey let's do i want to do some touristy things mm-hmm. right. so him and yeah. i went to the world trade center and did that just together you know yeah one yeah the, well those guys are probably getting in trouble right you know, with ruben being the instigator, you know, the whole thing, you know, so. But it was neat, you know, watch, you know, Dave just killed it. It was that, he did that huge wall ride up the side of the freeway over past the Brooklyn Bridge, just mm-hmm. blew everybody's mind. It was like a big deal, you know, so. It was fun, though. You so know? was you already like, with, with like, obviously Alice was already number one pro, 89, 90. Yeah. So was you like doing contracts with Alice and stuff back then? Uh, it, it, no, not kind of. It probably took a couple of years before, you know, because Richard was so used to doing all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah, I think yeah. Richard, so at some point, I feel like with listening to Greg Hill, like he, Richard was still dealing with Greg and Gary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Personally. Got it. it yeah, I think like Greg that. was writing for Robinson at the yeah. time. Greg yeah. was there. He was writing for Robinson when I started, you know, so. Yeah, Richard, for the next couple of years, I think Richard kind of handled that stuff. But I kind of quickly got, you know, sucked into all the. You know, the ABA race series sponsorships and right. NBL grands and... So you're dealing you with know, Bob and Clayton a lot. Yeah, all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and the magazines, obviously, at that time, you know, BMX was kind of slow yeah. overall, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the 89, 88, it was kind of well, slow. Well, it was always little. said you guys were the ones that bought it back, taking ads out in BMX. The story's gone, we've mm-hmm. talked about it, and other people have that you guys... Yeah, I mean, it kind of came to where, and, yeah. you know, Richard's thought was like, hey, when everybody's down, I'm going to put more money in and yeah you know, that's like way, buying a stock when it's low right yeah for sure so, you know, he, so he just he just buy more mags you know buy yeah. more ads in the magazine and mm-hmm. 
you know, there for during the 90s. Just, we were the largest advertiser for high torque publications across all their magazines. Do you know how many magazines, magazines? How many magazines were going out a month? You know, any idea on that kind of stuff? No, um, I can't remember the total number of pages of ads, but you know, we're competing against you know Honda and Kawasaki and all those in the motorcycle and mm -hmm. high torque had you know, motocross action and dirt bike and dirt wheels. And yeah. you know, they had all these motorcycle magazines that they were huge at the time. Yeah. You know, but we were buying way more ads than them. Wow. Wow. You know, all of them, you know, just because between all the brands and, you know, between mountain bike action and BMX plus, you know, it was big. So, and then teams. So Danny Nelson's dad, Bill was the team manager for GT. Well, he wasn't the first I one I started. I have to ask because, okay. So root girl was, because the there was a, there was a brief moment where I might've been considered to ride for GT as an amateur and Corey root girl was the team manager at the she time, was. but I didn't win enough, which is fine. But <laughs> where did you. she, where did she come from? Like she who was, was Jay she? from Rockville's sister. Okay, I was. I, I never understood what her connection was was with that. Yeah, so she was the blue GT. That's when they were. You guys, when it was GT was running because I remember George Sievers. That was his last year on the team, and they were running blue and white. Ooh. It was the blue and white uniform in that grands. They switched to yellow, oh, back yeah, to yellow okay. and blue. Yeah, but yep. I just didn't understand Corey Root. Yeah, Corey's, she came with. She was Jay from Jay's last name. I'm be in trouble for not remembering, but that was I believe it was his sister. So, so Rockville BMX. That's and a big spike and okay. all those guys. Were oh, okay, yeah, so. And what had happened was in 89, I started in August, and Cole Canyon was always like in October, right? Mm -hmm. It's all nationals. And she had gotten sick. Like, had some, you know, a serious illness, mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden, she either, she couldn't manage the team, and I think she ended up quitting. I don't know if she got fired, or I don't forget what happened, but... And so, and Bill had used to manage the team, mm -hmm. right? And now Danny's riding for Robinson as an amateur, and so yes. Richard asked, hey, Todd, can you get, get Bill to manage the team this weekend at Cole Canyon? Because Root Girl couldn't do it, mm -hmm. right? And so Bill, you know, put on his team manager hat again. And so he ran the team net, and it was from then on, you know, he was the guy and he for had years. A, actually, he'd be a great podcast because he had a very specific way to run, not only just like team sheets and everything, but just the whole machine, like like that machine of the firm started with Bill, the hotel and the rental car oh, yeah. and getting up and, in the morning. And, and like, we talked about this like in TC's all, podcast. Like, like all then, of us. And then TC took it on. All of us yeah. are on that program. Yeah. Even still, I live next to Larry Canberra. I mean, even him, like today, we still are kind of, yes. you know, you get up in the morning and you have your breakfast. <laughs> like, yeah, I still do. We're all old men. <laughs> yeah. We were all old men yeah. riding yeah, that Bill team. Yeah, Bill was just no because, BS. Yeah, it was no mm, BS yeah. and... He, there was a science to picking the kids to go on the team yeah. and where they would fit in with other age groups yeah. and how he, big age. I he mean, understood. Him and I, I mean, just remember, and this was like a game of so chess. Right Auburn. He understood oh, data. He understood data before data was a thing. I think, uh -huh. like from for, for the average, yeah, it's person. like the yeah. money Moneyball guy of BMX. He right? he really was. I mean, even to the point where we're like investing in stuff because Danny was. You know, he had Danny investing his early team money back in the day, and yeah, you know, he was always dialed in with. Yeah, it was things, always yeah. fun to talk about strategizing team pickups at the end of the year for the next year and who we're going to move in to fill a yeah. slot. And you guys could pretty much... someone's moving up an age group and all of a sudden they're not going to be as important anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So we got to shore up this thing. So it was really interesting. You know, Bill was perfect at it. And you yeah. guys could always get whoever you want. Could piss a lot of people off, right? You could always just get whoever you wanted. Well, that was pretty the thing. Much. That was yeah. the thing because if you, you know, if you rode for one of the other brands, I mean, moving up... The GT was like... You moved around. Yeah, yeah. but it was... Um, well, and he's yeah. usually, you know, for the most part, you know, 
the feeder teams for GT was usually Haro and free agent. Right. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that. I mean, there was a few stragglers here and there where somebody would shine. Donnie Robinson is a perfect example because he was a well, Car- Carlo teams. from Boss yeah. slash LMS. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. He was, you know, I remember making that call to let him know I was going to ride for Auburn, and it was so sad. Yeah. You know, I mean, we weren't, all, and we weren't offering anything other than. You get to go to a lot of races. Right, right, right. You get to go races. But I mean, but you, and, you know, there, but, but you figured Nigel came off boss. Yeah, Alexis yeah. came off one of the boss yeah, LNS yeah, right. teams. And, and then, Romero. you know, there, there was Tony Lopez and all Lopez. Those. Yeah, a lot of people just came out of that. But, you know, right. what are you going to do? You guys you're... are like the good looking dude taking yeah. the dude's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's like you're in the movie business and you're right. like working for some struggling indie yeah. company and then all of a sudden you get a contract from Disney. What are you yeah. going to say? Yeah, of course. You well, actually, it just got. Not worse. It got good for us, but it got even more, on an easier whatever later into the '90s. You know, because now the Powerlight team has become this big thing, and you know, the Robinson guys were still super competitive. And yeah. then when 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 TC took over for Nelson, right? Mm-hmm. He took what he learned from Bill to yeah. a whole new level of yeah, yeah, strategy and ferocity, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Well, what had, what TC took to another level was. Not only did he have the strategy, but he really he TC developed the relationships with the real right. riders. So like that mentorship was huge. Well, he took and he and he got the respect because everybody knew that he, he was one of them. Yeah, he, there was no BS with TC. He yeah, exactly. he knew what it was like to be on the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get a bit more into yeah, that, let's go back to because on your notes that I've got to know about. It. I remember reading about it as well. The the beef between you and Chris Mola. Yeah, you know, and that's and it and at the time it. It just hurt my feelings, right? And I don't know, I was too naive, or I liked Chris too much to like think that, oh, this is just his strategy, right? This is just mm-hmm. part of his deal, right? Mm-hmm. Because when I had more distributing, I helped, uh, Greg Scott worked for us, mm-hmm. worked for me, right? And so they were trying Greg to Scott, get- Greg Scott, the S and S and M. The yes. S and S and M, mm-hmm. right? Greg worked for me, and I was the croupy, owns Croupy Parts, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they were trying to get S&M together. I was l- looking for brands, you know, to start distributing something, right? And they were trying to get S&M going. I don't know if they had made a few frames already, but Roger Warsham at CW RevCore somehow got in the picture to make S&M frames. And we ended up paying for those and making like 10 frames or 20 frames mm-hmm. whatever, to help get S&M off the ground, mm-hmm. right? So I had this good relationship kind of with Chris. Yeah. You know, and then when I went to work for GT, I think that S&M thing kind of came into the GT world. Yeah. And the thing is, Chris used to hang out with Jeff Long and lived at the Long's house. And yeah, they were yeah. tight with Richard. He knew Richard since he was a little kid. Yes. You know? But at some point, when I came to work at GT, and GT was either going to make S&Ms and probably didn't pay attention to it or, you know, didn't get around to making Chris's frames for him or something... And, like, they weren't getting around to making my Auburn frames because mm-hmm. that was part of the deal. Auburn was still going to be able to thrive, and it kind of was the bastard stepchild once I started working there. But at some point, Chris kind of got sideways with GT, and he worked there for a little bit mm-hmm. and then took his S&M and did his thing. And at that point, it was Whoa. anti. It was war kind of, right? Mm. And I can't remember what happened. Chris um, was also at, at 18 or something like that, 20? Yeah, but, but yeah. it came to a head at Eugene. At yeah, the, yeah, at I the remember ABA that. ABA National yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And he showed up with a T-shirt or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but we ended up getting into it. And I was arguing with him, whatever. And he called me fat. Look, he goes, look, you talk, look at, look, you're getting fat. 
like that takes it to a personal level. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird, right? And, I, and at the end of the day, I was kind of just my feelings. And for years, I was kind of like my feelings were hurt, mm-hmm. you know, because I really yeah. didn't know what the deal was, right? And I kind of got over it. And then, of course, they came out with the video. Oh, the because 40, the gr- 44, what? Something, something. Todd Huffman doesn't ride. Todd Huffman doesn't ride. That was it. Yes, yes. Right, because yes. they have you are a major part of their marketing. <laughs> I know <laughs> marketing strategy. I know. <laughs> and what had happened is, you know, by that time GT's huge and the firm is in full effect, right? right. And and they got one of their minions, you know, the SE. I mean, the S and M followers right. to call GT and call our department. And Gabby, this gal, worked for us. And she they filmed it right back, and they, they recorded it. Yeah, you know, yeah and put it in the video. They, you know, it's like trolling today. It's like the stuff yes. they do, you yes. know, today in politics and whatever. They mm-hmm. totally trolled her. Right. And she didn't know my background, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she just knew me as the marketing guy. And yeah. Caught up and doesn't ride. Right. That was it. And they yeah. recorded, and yeah. it became the name of the. Family. So I guess I'm famous there. Right. right yeah. But I remember, <laughs> I remember S and M had an ad. The, Kind of spoofing the Auburn, the BS20. Oh, probably. And it was in, you know, different parts. And they yeah. had, you know, like... You know, years yeah. later, yeah, it was, Chris and I totally, you know, it's like water under the bridge. You guys you know, are pulling out right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I'm super proud of yeah, what he's done. What yeah. He's done yeah. And, yeah, yeah, You know, I mean, when GT kind of imploded in 2001, he was... Still he was, there. He was buying yeah. the tools. Yeah, he was buying all the machinery and yeah. hiring all the guys who used to weld GTs. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was really cool. You know, he's kind of like a reincarnation of what... Richard yeah. and Gary were doing, you know, and so it's cool. So, uh, yeah. So anyhow, that's that, that's that story. Wow. So, and then T, T, I want to talk about the, about the TV coming in and the impact it made and stuff. And obviously, you guys doing all the TV shows and stuff. Yeah, you know, so that whole thing kind of came, you know, with um, at the time, if you guys remember, Vision yes. Streetwear was like mm-hmm. big, right? huge. huge. They're sponsoring yeah. everything. They're, you know, they were doing the TV at the ABA Grands and all that stuff. Well, Don Hoffman, who's my business partner now, he worked for Vision, right? Mm-hmm. He ran their, they had an in-house TV department, mm-hmm. right? And I knew Don from when I was the head judge for AFA when I worked with Bob Morales okay. for the AFA because mm-hmm. Bob and Don were doing these little AFA freestyle videos from the pipeline, you know, King of the Skate Parks and mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? So I knew Don from there, right? And, but then I knew Don from being the TV guy with Brad Fanshaw. Mm-hmm with Vision Streetwear, right? And about that time, Vision was on their way out and they're shutting up stuff. We just hired Don. And we said, hey, let's build our own in-house department. So Don kind of became, a we did what, a little version of what Vision had, we did it with Don. Mm-hmm. At that point, we're making our own video, because Richard wanted all the videos for the mountain bikes and all the other stuff too, yeah. you know? And so now we're, have the ability to, you know, really develop quality TV stuff with Don, and that tied right in with the leverage with Clayton and mm-hmm. Bob Tedesco, and you know what I mean, and the big money being spent. So, you know, all of a sudden we're gonna have the ability to pitch them on, hey, if you guys pay to produce the shows, we can, they're gonna be quality enough, we're gonna be able to get them on the air, and you know, just all, you know, the machine just mashed mm-hmm. together, you know, so. And it really helped, didn't it, at the time, like elevate the whole sport again. Yeah, it was like every deal then, you know, from 93 or whatever it was until yeah. I left to 98 had television attached yeah. to it, you know, and yeah. everything, you know. No, um, it was big because I remember racing then as as a pro, Crank TV, or just the fact that even before Crank, before it was called that. BMX Stream. BMX Stream, the Monster Cross, I created all those But I remember the, you know, like family would call me 
from wherever. It's Monday like, at five. Yeah. Saw you on TV. Yeah, it's like Monday at five. I think it was Sweet. On. at least Crank was. Yeah. yeah well, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think some of that came out of like our interest in following motocross and supercross. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like this, hey, we can do TV, but let's make a make it cool. Let's put a brand around it. You mm-hmm. know, let's call it something where it's not just, you know, the ABA Nationals. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's part of this. Oh, it's the BMX Extreme Series. Mm-hmm. You know, where we can tie in some magazine. Yeah. Segments or a little freestyle, pop out segment or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And then Monster Cross became a series. It was a TV thing for sure, but also became, I think, it became a series. Like the ABA built something around it. It was kind of yeah, yeah. They got a motorcycle. They knew it was a motorcycle at the end of the series. Yeah, Paul Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Romero you know, so won one year. Paul Camp won. Paul Camp. Yeah. And that all morphed into Crank TV. And then when I left, we created Bump TV. And Greg Romero you know. made Crank TV famous. <laughs> did he? You know, and then Brian the Gas, those guys after I left, Ted did Crank for another year or so. You know, after I left, you know, but it was fun. But we were doing all those shows in house. You know, some of the first. Non-linear editing systems on a Mac toaster mm. computer wow. and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, you know. So and we're you know producing the funny spots with Biggie, talent. Yeah, so good. Biggie nice. misses calling. You know, he, actor, yeah. you know, he was great. <laughs> the Gary Ellis commercial. Yeah, just all, <laughs> yeah. All yeah. the pizza it. guy. Yeah, with yeah. Walker. so good. He's so good. <laughs> so it was fun, you know. Again, that was like you know, not money was no object, but you know, well, we it, had the people and it, and and everything was. At cost because we had the people. We weren't paying an agency. It was, in, it was in-house. It was all in-house, and right? You controlled so, everything. It was beautiful. You so know. you guys took Eddie Roman, right? He had a big part of the freestyle stuff, right? Yeah, Eddie Roman worked for us for a while and created all that. Yeah, Dead Soldier and Forty One Thirty and Dead Sailor and yeah, all that stuff. And but he was doing product stuff too for us, you know. So you know, Hans Ray and and all that. You know, it was busy, and we have that all that library stuff today. Have all of it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's, if it's I, in a vault up in Upland. It's, it's because that 90s, kind of mid-90s, when the, well, I'll just say the mountain bike company started getting into BMX. I mean, it, you guys made it seem like it was easy to get into BMX. You know, because I, I can tell you, as, a, as one of the guys who rode for one of the mountain bike companies yeah. in BMX, they, the vibe was... One, we got to get into this thing. It's the big segment. Oh, mountain Again, biking. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, no, we got to get into BMX, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the giant Diamondback came oh, yeah. back in and specialized. But it was almost like, you know, they just looked at the bike and thought it was double diamond hardtail. We can yep. just, we can add some, our technology to it or whatever. But I remember there was kind of a, not arrogance, but it was kind of this feeling like, one, they had to get on board, but two, it was, it was like they could just jump right in. <sighs> Well, yeah, they're making... Because also, you made it, just, I guess what I'm saying is that whole machine made it look so seamless and easy. Well, yeah, a and company you, like you know, Specialized, for example, oh, we're making dirt bikes. They're mountain bikes, but mm-hmm. they go in the dirt, so uh, a 20-inch BMX bike is going to be easy, too. Yeah. And, and look at how many sales, because they, hey, GT was the 100-pound, 1,000-pound gorilla in the room, right? And, you know, between the right-way distributorship, you know, we had... Know, we sold to four thousand dealers, you know, yeah. or something wow. like, and and our bikes were in every shop, you mm-hmm. know, and you know, especially had their you know two dealers per market or whatever. Well, we're in all the markets, right? Mm-hmm. All the dealers, right? And so, you know, we were bigger than Schwinn. Bigger. I mean, we're selling so many kids' bikes, you know. I mean, huge. let's let's so, let, let, let's talk money because in your <laughs> list here, I know I knew there's well, we all know there's a lot of money involved in GT, but I didn't know how much till you put in here. The marketing budget was seven million. When I left, 
in 98. Still. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Tell us about some of these deals. <laughs> well, you know, when you're paying, you know, Julie Furtado, right? On was she, okay, so was she the yeah. highest well, paid? Well, she left in 97, right after the yeah. Atlanta Olympics, you know, but she was a big deal, right? Um, so, you know, I don't know how much, half a million dollars or... Yeah, I mean, you know, they had like King that, you know. as a world champion. Nico Villo won. I mean, Nico. Yeah, yeah. was yeah. Nico? How many pay, was, that was a good question. Was I don't Nico, know. I don't know what Nico. You know, because Doug Martin ran that program, right? So yeah. it's interesting. Doug was a sports marketing director, mm-hmm. which really was the mountain bikes and the road bike teams that we were starting to sponsor. And you, then the you Saturn had Acura team, at that point, and we had Acura. Good two car deals at one point, right? Same time. Well, the Chevy thing happened after I left. Mm, I okay. think. Uh, gas and, and Doug lined that up, but Doug and I, I ran all the marketing stuff, creative, all the juvenile teams, PR, trade shows, all the right way, marketing stuff, all that stuff, right? And then Doug ran the adult sports teams because he was a adult cyclist guy, right? Mm-hmm. He was a roadie from Coconut Grove, Florida, and worked in two-wheel transit authority, managed us, a huge store. So the, road, the adult stuff was his, but we overlapped on like the Olympics. Yeah. Like we were the two guys. That, Marty Nostein, right? Yeah, Marty Nostein mm-hmm. and Rebecca Twig and the whole mm-hmm. Project 96 Superbike mm-hmm. Rebecca Twig thing, you know. So that's where we kind of overlap. So I don't I don't really know what all of Doug's those deals were. I can't remember them, you know, but you know, collectively, you know, it was a big number, you know. There were yeah. 70 people in our department. Jeez. You know. <laughs> I mean, 70, just, anyway, 70 say, rolling to the races of your Robinson amateur team, you know, the pro car, mm-hmm. the Powerlight team, the, you guys would roll in sometimes just to come and check it all out. And I mean, it well, was a was big a operation minute, there, going to a race. There was a minute there where there was an East Coast and West Coast team. It yeah. just got to the point where it was like... Brian Fell, yeah. Yeah. They just... Well, I, I ran across a, a poster I'd got, and it was taken, I think it was the year after I left, whatever, and it was the SE, the GT team. And it was like, yeah, you're in it, whatever. And there's like... 50 of you guys right. you know yeah. <laughs> all the pros and the amateurs and, yeah and with the chevy trucks and you know big fancy and all the Simon pros were there was a lot of pros that you guys were all getting checks yeah yeah i mean and i, I mentioned it in there you know but it was interesting was during that whole era you know the you'd mentioned the team sheets and all that stuff and nelson and you know tc taking over but you know, Richard was as big as the company was, you know, $200 million plus mm-hmm. dollars publicly traded. Mm-hmm. He was still a BMX Yeah, he was guy. a fan. Yeah, yeah. He was a fan. And what I... Still going to the races occasionally when he can. Hanging out with me and Nelson, Bill, at the end of the night going, hey, how are we doing? How are we looking, guys, on the team sheet? Like, that's why you guys, and I think that, that we told him... He knew people's... He knew everyone's name, too. I remember yeah. that. And that's a huge part of the success, and we talked about this on the phone last night, and what, what's not happening now, a lot of these people in the brands and companies that don't know what's going on, you guys, let's say, when there's a SoCal National, the full yeah. Nationals, I remember, all the, G- all, the G- all the GT employees would come, or a lot of them, like the welding guy would be walking around asking yeah, questions, yeah. and uh, all you guys obviously made everybody from in-house come out and, and do research and talk, and, and, you, and that was happening in a lot of races, but the that's, SoCal Nationals, it was like... That's like corporate like, training, yeah, free. It yeah, was, it was. It, it was you guys well, Richard was field. into it. I mean, yeah. he was serious about it. I remember at one of the ABA Grands in Oklahoma, Tulsa or Oklahoma City, I forget which, where it was that year or whatever, but um, I don't know, David Milham or Dave, someone got rode hard in the last turn, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Milham and Shelby James. Milham, Shelby James. <laughs> you yeah. guys remember that? See, I don't yeah. remember that. And, that was for the title. And, mm. and, 
and Richard lost it. I mean, he, we were way out, like way mm. past up in the stands. Me, Richard, and Wanda, his wife was up there with a few, with maybe Bill Nelson, and mm -hmm. and Richard got right down. <laughs> Next thing we know, he is down there by Clayton. the grandstands and the trophies mm. in Clayton's face. Right, right. Like big, like it was important. Yeah, yeah. You know, he liked uh, being number action, one, yeah. you know, so it was really cool. And, and the kids, you know, those team riders, you know, those team sheets were important because the kids were making money too, you know. They, all that team money that would come back that I think most companies just put back into their coffers to pay for the next yeah, race. Yeah, you were able to get it to the riders. They went to yeah. the riders, yeah, the kids, yes. you know. And I found out, as I told you on the phone, years later, yeah. just a few years ago, I was asking, you know, I call them kids. Right. TC's kids, you know, mm -hmm. Canberra and the Andy Contest, and they're all in their 40s now, but they're still TC's kids. Yeah, the kids. Or all they. We're asking, I was asking about at the bar, you know, what are they, what do you guys do with all that money, you know, yeah. you guys just piss it away, college education's paid for, my first house, mm -hmm. first, car, yeah. first big car, like, it made a huge deal in these kids' lives, you know, and, mm -hmm. and trust me, I was writing the, You're you know, when there's two nationals a weekend, you know, and then lots of, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of little, little checks add up to those yeah. 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds yeah. and 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds, you know. Well, I went to high school with George Severs, and yeah. He bought Jeff Donnell's mini truck, you know, lowrider in the magazine truck, but it was sitting in his garage essentially for two years before he got his license, and he bought that with team money. Wow. <laughs> so. What about so when Danny, because Danny won the Worlds pretty early, you know, earlier on, 94, which should have been 17, 18 when he, he won. He was 19. He was young anyway, yeah. and he was probably still climbing the, the pay chart. Yeah. So was that kind of tough, especially <laughs> with his dad involved? Yeah, it, it was, you know, that, I had hated, always hated the negotiating time for the riders when a, a two-year contract was up or whatever, because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, everybody's bros, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden it, just it gets, gets a, yeah, it's serious all uncomfortable of a sudden, you know, conversation. Kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and you know, because... And the ones I just remember, you know, there's Gary Ellis. Yeah. Right? And Gary did his own deals, right? Dad, so Gary never had an agent? No, no none of them had agents. But agent. Gary yeah. did his deals probably with Rich straight. Well, no, he did. I, at the end, I was doing oh, it. At the you end, know, for right. four or five years, I was doing them, you know. but And it wasn't like it was outrageous, you know. But, it, you know, bump up here and there. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a little more contingency. or yeah. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, someone's asking, oh, you got $100 last year. Now we want $100,000. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like that, you know. So it was just... And you got to push back a little bit, you know, because mm. I have a huge spreadsheet that you're trying it's to make gonna it total all up seven million dollars at the end, right. you know, and yeah. if, you know, so it all adds up, you know. I mean, every time you add, I forget what a, an amateur rider cost us. I think it was like twenty five grand. Yep. To add a kid to the team. Wow. Because wow. they go to so many races. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Every race is worth like twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just expenses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To add a rider, right? And when you go to so many mm -hmm. ABA races and so many NVL races, yes. you know, those amateur kids add up and you got, oh, you got six of them mm -hmm. or eight of them, you know, so those numbers add up, right? So when, you know, but it wasn't like hard with Gary, but different with Danny Nelson because his dad's a team manager. Right. And Danny's, you know, he's a pretty passive guy, whatever. So his dad would do the negotiating. Mm. So I'm here I am. <laughs> all of a sudden, Bill gets, you know, all of a sudden he's getting yeah, corporate yeah. on me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, him and I for years, you know, throughout the whole rest of the year, you know, we're corporate and strategizing and doing all the, you know, nasty, fun, good stuff, whatever, to stay on top. And all of a sudden I got the same guy now, you know, push, yeah. pushing his glasses back over his nose. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> Danny. 
Danny's been riding pretty good. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, he won the worlds. Yeah, I think it's probably good for a little bit. You know, yeah. a little extra something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Gary, I know, and we negotiated directly with Gary. Yeah. Danny had to deal with Bill. Right. And then Charles Townsend was always Chuck. Chuck yeah. was. I could have made. Come on, Huff. <sighs> I need some more. He probably could have got let go five years earlier. You always <laughs> saved him? Well, he saved himself. Right. And Richard liked By Charles. Yeah, and yeah. He said, what's not to like, right? Yeah, He's a yeah. sweetheart of a guy. Mm-hmm. And he could just just about talk himself into you re-signing him again mm-hmm. and giving him a little raise. Yeah, right? yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times, some, you know, performance wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, in the ruthless era of the 90s mm-hmm. GT thing. You know, we could have probably replaced him with somebody else or yeah. whatever. But, man... He would live up to it, though, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it was always interesting. And Charles would tell you this today. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, you know, negotiating with Huff is always, you know. Right. Not that he was begging, you know, but he would give me plenty of reasons why I needed to re-sign him. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't think of that. Right. You know? That's and, good. You know, and yeah. Richard loved Charles. Yeah. You know, so he knew he was good for the Powerlight brand and yeah. and all that. So it was always. And then Robinson at the end. Yeah. Robinson track. at the end. Yeah, yeah gosh, you know. Because at some point, everybody was just switching around so much, you know. and, mm-hmm. and It was like Grey's Anatomy. Well, you know, and obviously what <laughs> TC was doing in later years, right, with having these guys ride on this team and holding back. And, and yeah. you, you know, you guys just slow up on the last turn because so-and-so needs to get fourth this race. And, right. You know. Ta- very tactical. Tactical. What about the Europe? Was you involved when, because I rode, obviously, the European team first with Garrett. Was you part of that whole putting that together with Garrett? Only from a sense of, of you know, how many people are you getting? Who are you getting? We're just interested because we know Garrett's going to pick the right people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know? And I think that first year they came over, we had this huge photo session at, at, at the, the Grands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all had the jackets. Everybody came jackets. over. Instead of, this is how smart you guys yeah. were. Instead of shipping everything to Europe, you're like, we pay for all you guys to come to the yeah, Grands yeah. and all your stuff's here. And yeah, everyone's building yeah. up bikes at the Grands. <laughs> and again, yep. they went to that. I remember the ad with Minozzi. Uh, oh, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the industry, like tw- yes. So, yeah, I like jacket. so I have to ask yeah. you. 20, because, 20 people in that picture. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have to ask you because your, your jersey clearly said Europe. Yeah, no, I was Euro team first. Yeah, yeah. no, but yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. was it a thing where it's like, okay, great, but I want, I want that well, US I mean, jersey? Not necessarily. I just I wanted to ride for GT. as my first bike right. shop team, and then I you know, rode for everyone on this podcast talking about all my stuff, but... I, this is my question. Do I was riding for I was riding for Garrett's son Nika. I was riding for Garrett first. He did MCS for a couple yeah, years, yeah. and then Garrett's son started Webco. Webco and yeah. Garrett then was like, "Okay, this guy's from." It was, and everybody came from MCS for a lot. Did so Garrett said, "Okay, this guy's going on GT. This guy's going on Webco." Yeah. So they were and doing I, their own mini. Yeah. So I was right. put not put, but I, I was fine with it. But I I went on Webco with Bass. Yeah. But me. what I'm saying is mm. like having the because it was very much GT Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I guess my question is. Where the Europe guys going? All right, well, this is awesome, but I want the no because no. I think because I think at the time I we I had a well call it a counterpart in Europe named John Holcomb. Yes, mm-hmm. I want to touch on that. Yeah, so John yeah. was from Italy. He worked for our distributor or owned the distributor GT distributor in Italy, and I don't know if they were too small or couldn't afford to bring the mountain bikes or something happened where he got absorbed too. Yeah, and so he became because he spent spoke fluent. Italian. Yes, yes. And maybe another language. He got brought on to be the GT marketing director in Europe. Yeah. And he set up in Belgium, Haslett, Belgium. 
And so that whole thing with Garrett and those guys were kind of fell underneath John's. Yeah, and he was. Purview. I spoke about this on TC's podcast. He was very, very took care of me. And when I came, when I came to the U.S., John came. At, he, you guys had moved him back to the U.S. as well. And he was. I know he was a big part of me being an American racing here, and he always supported the European guys. You know, you know, an yeah. sweet, lovable, yeah. funny little guy. So passionate. Yes. You look at him, you go, oh, he's yeah. not a cyclist. Never mm. raced. Never, mm-hmm. you know, nothing. Mm. Just, you know, short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whatever, but. Man, he cared about Very, his yes. guys, riders. Yes, yes. Whether it was the mountain bike teams or yes. the BMX team or the freestyle team, and he was in everyone's corner. Yes, you know? no, he was, he was. And, and that team was good. I mm-hmm. mean, that was, Garrett's, man. We won the world team trophy yeah. in America in 94 on, on a European team yeah. team sheet. Was uh, DeVilda on that team? No, it was it was me, Corinne Dorland, a little Russian kid who actually passed away. Hmm. Um, class. Anyway, he won like 10 expert uh-huh. or something. And uh, Robert Sprockholt. You he, made both. You made, made both. Yeah, Robert Sprockholt got Robert second. Sprockholt. Got second and eighteen and over. I remember that name? Yeah, yeah. So we won team trophy. Yeah, which that was, was a crazy awesome. main. Yeah. That that eighteen everybody and over crashed, everyone yeah. crashed because uh, numerous times. Yeah, yeah, because because a <laughs> French guy was winning these races. Videos. Yeah, videos. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> Tim Merkel <laughs> was in. Was. The, yes. we, were, we were teammates. And he was he, winning for a second. He was right? winning for, yeah. for a brief moment. and then A lot of people yeah. winning that. Daniel yeah. Sprague. Sprague. And that was a hard main, too, because I think guy. G was an amateur at that point, Greg. Mm-hmm. So everyone everyone had their eyes on that main. <laughs> yeah, Even the yeah. pros were watching that main. So yeah. it was a good one. But Hulky was a good guy. Yeah, like I say, he was, was good guy. for us, and unfortunately, he, he, he passed away. He did pass yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, sad. last 10 years or something, I think. So, yeah. You know. Good stuff. So, going back to, uh, so like, just say real quick. When back you're, to the money? Back to the money. When you're doing Ellis's contract, we know from, uh, as we start to come towards the end of our career, it gets less and you're fighting. Ellis kind of went out on top. So there was never that, okay, Gary, you're getting a little bit slow. This Levesque guy's fast. It's like, he kind of one of the few guys that tapped out at, at the yeah, top. And you know? I, honestly, today I can't remember what those guys were making, you know, but they're, the big money, they, and it, it was all in those contingencies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Richard paid for, yeah. got those guys used to, you know, paying for performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? So that's where the bonuses were, you know, titles, mm-hmm. races. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, Salaries were, no, they're okay, you know. That wasn't, like, huge, you know. But when you're racing two or three classes yeah, a Saturday and on Sunday and you're Gary Ellis, you come back, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. sign these check requests for Gary Ellis. He was easy a top three once a weekend, and that's being generous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what is sure, so. some, of the, some of the best times for you then on GT? Any, any little stories or Standouts. things? Standouts. Yeah, standouts for you. <sighs> you know. Seemed like just all great. It was all great. It yeah. was all great. There were, you know, we all had the passion for the brand and to work there. You know, Richard was, you know, I was the marketing director or coordinator. Officially was my title, you know. But I, I worked directly for Richard, right? GT was a very flat mm-hmm. company, right? There mm-hmm. was Richard. Mm-hmm. Gary kind of, but every all the senior manager guys worked reported directly to Richard. You know, manufacturing, product development, mm-hmm. sales, operations, marketing, right? Because we're like president, and everyone else was a VP. Yeah, it was like it was like a pyramid <laughs> shape, yeah, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and so you know, but because marketing was Richard's thing, mm-hmm. you know, at the heart he was a sales marketing guy, right? Gary made the bikes, mm-hmm. Richard sold them, you know, mm-hmm. found the customers, right? And you know, so. Here, I'm the guy that's tasked with the stuff that he really likes to do. So he was particularly hard Yeah, you guys on were close. Me. We were mm-hmm. super close. Yeah. And, and 
you know, there was a joke around GT that, you know, because Richard had a big personality, liked to swear a lot and get things done, you know, get it done, just get it done, you know, that kind of stuff. And and it was the joke was you know, Richard's favorite phrases were, God damn it, son of a bitch, and Jesus Christ Todd. <laughs> like, I was part of those favorite right. words, right? Because Jesus Christ Todd, you know, like, I'd heard that so many times, you know, you know, but... Uh, I don't know, working for Richard was probably the, the highlight of the whole thing, you know, because I think I learned, and to this day I still bump into people that say they learned so much from being part of that, whether they worked for me, which is working for Richard, but they saw him work and me work and whatever, and everybody just, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of fed off that energy and passion to, to mm -hmm. be there, you know, being involved with the IPO was exciting because I'm not a super finance guy, but I learned a lot in that process and felt like, wearing the big boy pants, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. during that whole process. And then the Olympics, even though they came after Richard died and, you know, but man, it's always fun to win BMX championships and mm -hmm. winners are <laughs> grinners, run yeah. big world cup championships yeah. and yes, you know, yes. downhill and stuff like that, you know, so. Did a lot of people, people you know, again, myths and stories and probably stuff we've said as well from, we picked up on over mm -hmm. the years. Did, did, did things, after Richard died, did things go down in, not just in GT, but in, in I guess maybe not, it was still big for a few more years. Like the industry, you know, did it change? Well, you know, because honestly, because when I left GT in May or June of 98, so uh, Richard had been gone for almost two years. Yeah. And, you know, I could kind of see the writing on the wall, you know, that, hey, something's happening. I saw you know, because I knew all the bankers and all the mm -hmm. accountants and yeah. you know, KPRG mm -hmm. and all those. I knew all these people, right? And right. all of a sudden, I see all these other people walking around wearing suits that I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. In the hallways, getting a tour, you mm -hmm. know. I kind of knew something was up, and I was chomping at the bit to do something, and it wasn't the same. I mean, I love, you know, when Richard died, they, you know, Bain Capital, you know, was a majority stockholder in the company. And, uh, you know, that was where Mitt Romney mm -hmm. <laughs> started Bain <laughs> Capital. Um <laughs> But they reorganized the company. You know, they made Mike Haynes became the CEO, and Bill Galloway became the marketing director, and Bill during you know. So all of a sudden, mm -hmm. I get I get promoted. I'm now the marketing director or whatever. But I got three new bosses. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. you, you know, I reported directly it, to Richard. The company yeah. became something else. It was different, you know, and yeah. everyone admits it. It was different, you know, and so I was kind of chomping the bit to go do my own thing, and and honestly, when I left, I got so involved with you know trying to create events and I was Brian Lopes's agent for a while and Hans Ray, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, <laughs> I didn't really follow until I, you know, and TC still lived in my house. And so I kind of, Hey, what's going on? And, mm -hmm. you know, but I wasn't really paying attention too much by then, you know, so I had the, I was part of the good era of GT. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Do we have any more GT questions? Or I, I kind of had some questions just yeah. around the IPO. Cause that's an interesting, I mean, it seems like a pretty, you know, GT was the biggest, I would say, even in the bike industry, period, at that point, regardless of my, Mountain Road, any of that stuff. Like, yeah. you guys were a player, period. Yeah. I don't but know if we, I don't know if we had publicly, sales. But as far as publicly traded companies, that's a whole nother beast. Yeah. So, I mean, what what was it like going from, you know, this this this, this successful company that was privately owned to... Now we have a board and shareholders <laughs> and, and even, even yeah, with it was Rich just, in it charge. was super intense. It was you know probably in hindsight it shouldn't have happened you know but um, 
But Cannondale had gone out, and they literally had to go public because they owed people money, whatever. They mm -hmm. had some debt they paid down by going public, and the guys from Cannondale were friends with Tom Weissel from Montgomery Securities, and that's how that, that whole thing came about. But, you know, Cannondale and GT were so competitive on mm -hmm. at the racetrack. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and Richard wanted to grow, wanted to keep growing, right? And so they had done this deal to... Um, Earlier in '94, they had did the deal because Richard wanted to grow, and he didn't really want to be partners with Gary anymore. It was like he didn't like Gary, but he just him and Gary were doing different, different things. Right? Gary wanted to go drag race and whatever, so so they did a deal with Bain Capital, with Mitt Romney's company, to buy Gary out and basically tee the whole company up to do the IPO the mm. next year. You know and. I got looped in on that only to really to create the, all the marketing pitch materials, right? And I just remember sitting in meeting after meeting with bankers and, and they're changing like the comma on a PowerPoint because it would mean something differently in this one bullet item and I have to redo all the slides for the road, you know, thing and, you know, annual reports. And, but it got really, you know, kind of intense because, you know, all of a sudden, well, we went... IPO was in 95, October of 95, and Richard was gone by July of 96, so maybe it was maybe more after that, that there was a lot, just always tension about the analyst calls, mm -hmm. and, you know. No, there's, there's a lot more reporting. Well, yeah, the, public, the stock's right? not doing well, right. you know, I mean, and <laughs> and at the time, the company that owned Schwinn, you know, they were kind of tanking too. Yeah. You know, they were um, uh, publicly traded too. And so there was us and Cannondale and them and Rock Shocks, I think, it went public at the time, too. So it was uh, just stressful, you know, because mm -hmm. we all thought, oh, IPO, you know, the stock's going to go from 14 to 25 and we're all going to get rich, you know. And it was like, no, it goes from 14 up to 15.5 and it starts down to 13, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, grown, you know, mm -hmm. so. But, yeah, the metrics change a bit when that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the roadshow thing was fun for me, you know, get to travel in Europe on that whole deal and first class and limousines and Mercedes limousines and, <laughs> you know, because the investment community, I mean, they only do things one way, you know? Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. to be part of that, you know, and I remember being like some of these investment conferences in like London and Austria and stuff and there's all these guys my age or younger than me, you know, they make probably 10 times what I make, you mm -hmm. know, and, but I'm out there with the super bike, right, for the, getting ready for the Atlanta Olympics and that, you know, thermoplastic yeah. LTS yeah. downhill bike with Great spin bike. wheels yeah, and stuff yeah. on mm -hmm. it, you know, and these guys are just drooling yeah. over it. And they're talking to me because I'm the marketing guy, and they think I got the coolest job. Because right. it was cool, right. Right. <laughs> You know, because it was a fun industry, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, you know. But. So after GT, you set up your own... I didn't know you were an agent. That's kind of cool. I kind of was a brief agent. Did some work <laughs> with Hans and Brian Lopes. And, Lopes, and yeah. it was short-lived because I ended up getting distracted. And and the giant. You did the giant thing, right? With TC, Thomas Allier. That was a couple of years later, yeah. Danny Nelson. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. When, when the whole GT thing was imploding. Yeah, you at that point, you that took so TC's sparks. gone and then Woody gets spun out of there. And Woody's brilliant, right? With this, yeah. has all those contacts with the NBA mm -hmm. and the, the, the affairs and the team riders and all that stuff. So it was like, hey, let's do this, you know, so kind of put that thing together with those guys too, you know. Giant so, one too. Yeah. 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 So I mean the BMX team was it was a it was a powerhouse team. It was Robert DeWild, uh Danny Tomas, Nelson, and Thomas, Thomas Allier. Yeah. 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 And we had the whole freestyle team, which is Woody's yeah. entire program. You yeah. Know? So yeah. it was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. You guys took W D forty, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I lined that up for yeah. I was the first guy to find those guys. Yeah. You know. At the, and this was in ninety 
91 is when we first got WD-40, 92. Mm -hmm. I mean, early. And we secured that deal. It's interesting because at the time, we're in all the, we talked earlier about all the BMX Plus magazines and Wizard and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything, right? Well, in walks um, a guy from Boys Life magazine, sales guy, (laughs) right? And we're the big player. And, um, and he said, hey, um, we have a client, WD-40, that, or I have one of my clients is WD-40, and they want to reconnect with people to use WD-40 on their bicycles, right? And when, when you're a kid, you put WD-40 on everything. Yeah, right? yeah, I was yeah like, that's yeah. how like, you fixed everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Bolts like, tight, WD-40. Do. Chain yeah. tubes, WD-40. Yeah. Clean yeah. your hands, WD-40. Yeah. Yeah. Grips, WD-40. Yeah, it's like Frank's Stick, hot... Take stickers off your bike. WD-40. <laughs> it's like Frank's hot sauce. We put that shit right. on everything, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, and the, the story goes, and we learned this with WD-40, you know, right away, is that, like, f- three out of four households mm-hmm. have WD-40 mm-hmm. already there. They're yeah. already selling the product, right? They just wanted people to have empty the cans, mm-hmm. use it, mm-hmm. right? Everybody has it. Yeah. Just use it, right? Mm-hmm. So the bicycle was a big connection. So Gene Brasso was a sales rep guy. He came and said, hey, we have this client, WD-40. Can you, they want to do this promotion in Boys Life magazine, and at that time, you know, BMX Plus had, you know, whatever, 60,000 circulation or something, right? Boy's Life. Like, 1.2 million. Wow. Like, the circulation was huge. Mm-hmm. And so, they wanted 10 bicycles. Like, I don't know if they were Interceptors or Mach 1s mm-hmm. or Outpost. Right. You know, low-end. Yeah, bikes, yeah. right? We're going to feature GTWD40 in Boy's Life magazine. Ten bikes. Yeah, yeah. You know, Richard's like, <laughs> for sure, right? So we ended up becoming an advertiser in Boys Life mm-hmm. because the circulation was just so huge. Yeah, you, know, you couldn't win. But then we also had this relationship with WD Forty now. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Mike Freeman was the marketing guy down at WD Forty, and we had learned that that was the first when they sponsored the GT team in the history of the company. Wow, wow. the first team. And now they have a whole ever, bike line they'd ever sponsored. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, they only have, um, at the time, they only had like five SKUs in mm-hmm. the whole company. They've been around since the 40s. Yeah. Only five live items. They had like the 12 ounce can, the 16 ounce can. It was a different size of the same mm-hmm. product. Yeah. You know, and I was so proud when we got that deal with W40. It was like 40 grand, you know, yeah. for the team, right? That, but that's, but that's, that's and a I benchmark remember walking brand, in, though, right? I mean, well, it's yeah, an it iconic a huge brand. brand. Iconic brand. And, and that was kind of big money at the time for a corporate sponsor, you know. But I remember walking in, and this one of the times I was irritated with Richard. I walked in his office and told him, hey, we didn't got that WD-40 deal. He goes, how much? You know? <laughs> I was like, 40 grand. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no attaboy, Todd, or good right. job, or right on, or whatever, you know. Well, you guys got that for a long time. And, you know, they sponsored me and my programs now, obviously, yeah. at a smaller scale. But, I mean, it was just showing... You know, I got a connection there, Robin Belushi, you know, Jason, mm-hmm. you know, that was my connection there when he got a job there. But obviously pulling out all that old GT stuff and, you know, they've got my old rainbow jersey oh, hanging up there and yeah, my old plate. Awesome. I showed all the branding and it just kind of really helped me as well, you know. So it really was yeah, out was, there, wasn't it? That was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah so anyhow. Um, but there's a few, there's a there's some other random companies. I mean, so there was, that Chevy's not random. The but car LA, toy things, LA right? Gear. What was they called? You, was, you got that as well. Um, the Matchbox. That happened after, that oh. happened after me. That was Hot, Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. Brian yeah. asked yeah, had, but, in, There was so. LA Gear. They had LA Gear. Which LA was kind of coming out of I forget where we, how we found them or they yeah. found us. 
some cross promotion thing ended yeah. up in a lot of those things happen because we have bicycles and someone some company wants a couple bikes for tchotchkes right. or some promotion also now you know the guy right yeah right. and pretty soon you know whatever so um and i think that's kind of how the accurate deal came about too so and were you, were you remember when i had the nsx yeah <laughs> company car yeah. yeah there was there was the, the acura <laughs> the coolest company car swag in the history of the bike industry <laughs> yeah, they, had, they had some funky looking suv which shared an azuzu platform it was a trooper yeah and yeah. then uh, and then obviously the nsx was like the yeah so then the funny story about the nsx i think people get a kick out of so acura we just wanted to you know because canada had volvo right? yeah so okay what so we went after acura and i think doug had the relationship some someone did whatever and so Acura says, okay, we're going to give you, you know, eight of these um, pilots or whatever, I forget what mm-hmm. they're called, but it was an Isuzu Trooper, really fancy one, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. And they're going to give us, Doug, some cash for the team, you know, and, uh, oh, and we want to give you the NSX too, <laughs> you know? We're like, okay, why? Well, you know, mountain biking, high demographic, and set these ski resorts. And yeah, yeah. That's where the races are, so we want, you know, we want to be in front of those people, mm-hmm. right? People with money, right? Okay, we'll take the NSX. Too is a comp is a car, right? And we ended up having that thing for three three years or something like that. But what was interesting was only certain people could drive it. Yeah, right? there's only on the agreement with the fact the sponsorship yeah. agreement. It was Richard, Mike, Doug, and myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Richard at the time because this was in '96 or '95. I guess it was '96. The beginning that started in '96. Uh, Richard had Porsches and Ferraris, whatever, yeah. and he didn't. Like, he, and it was an automatic, right? Right. He said it's slow. I don't, right. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. care about the car. Right. right. <laughs> so he was out. Right. Mike Haynes is like five, six foot five. Too tall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Skinny yeah. as a bean. Right. Right. Wouldn't fit in the car. Right. right. Couldn't drive it if he tried. Now it's right? down to two people who two qualify. People. Me and Doug, the team manager, right. everybody. Right. Yeah. Doug lives in Seal Beach. Yeah. Surfer. No. Yeah. Garage parking. Right. right. Only street parking mm. in his house. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. By default. Yeah. <laughs> I drive it in and park it in my Huntington Beach garage every night. Right. TC's living at my house. Yeah. You know, we're like, we had the NSX Perfect. for, you know. And then after Richard died, um, and I drove that thing. So maybe that was 95. I drove it for, eight, I felt like a year or so, but Bill Galloway all of a sudden he's my boss. To, oh, yeah. Mountains in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Races? yeah. All the mountain bike races, the, the Cactus Cup, you know, the big race specialized used to put on in Phoenix, Scottsdale. You know, it was fun to drive that car. Take yeah, perks of the job. Felt a little guilty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> today, they didn't want it. today our clients and you know we do work for Honda and and uh, when I tell them that story, they go, "How the hell did that get pulled off? No wow. way would that happen today." Right. Uh, you know, maybe Ken Roxon. Yeah. <laughs> gets an NSX or something. You know, but he's Ken Roxon. You mm-hmm. know, type of deal, right? Yeah. So, I think Jeremy McGrath got one. Right. right. Drove one. You know. Yeah, because you sponsored, uh, we could do uh, <laughs> two McGrath. more hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. McGrath. The most you know, watched intermediate yeah. moto ever. Yeah, yeah you like know, that ever? came about through, I think, I think that came Big through e. a relationship with Big E, right? Yeah, yeah. But we had sponsored um, Guy Cooper first. That okay. was our first uh, motocross guy. And it was the first time uh, Mark Toomey, a friend of mine, had worked for Cycle News. And they had pitched us. Somehow, we would got in front of... Suzuki with Bob Hadley and the mountain bike team, and they gave Bob a, a little DRZ or something to go around the mountain bike races on. So we did this deal with Cooper, but it was the first time anybody had cross-promoted bicycles yeah. with motocross. And I remember we had a spread ad mm-hmm. in Cycle News. Oh, no, no, it was in the, the Supercross program. Oh, wow. Because Cycle News was publishing that. 
And so here's this spread ad right in the middle of the Supercross program of Guy mm-hmm. Cooper just big whip air or whatever with the GTs, the whole lineup of GTs, mm-hmm. bikes, mm-hmm. like cross training, whatever. So that led into the Jeremy thing. Mm. And it had popped up online recently, but you know, we did that Jeremy McGrath bike. Yeah, yeah signature yeah. bike. That yeah. kind of one-off signature bike. Yes. So, and it's an interesting story. At that time, this has been the spring, winter of 98, right before we left, I left. You know, GT's assembling all these bikes in America, right? We're like, in fact, I went on with TL online about, hey, GT really was the last people to be assembling BMX US. bikes in the yeah. U.S., right? And what would happen is we'd buy the frames, Mach 1 frames, or interceptor frames, in Taiwan and import them. They may have already been painted. I can't remember if we painted them here or not, but anyhow, we'd buy frames. Yeah. Hang a bunch of parts on, complete bike. Go to dealers, right? Buy the hundreds or thousands, tens of thousands, right? Well, in purchasing, the purchasing department who bought all this, you know, cranks, frames, handlebars, bottom bracket parts, mm-hmm. whatever, the guy wanted to order the, you know, hundreds of these little headset washers you know, that would go underneath the lock nut yep. on the headsets before a head, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's supposed to order, right? Mm-hmm. He transposes a couple numbers, and we get hundreds uh, of extra frames, uh, Mach 1 uh, frames, uh, <laughs> right? Hundreds, what are we going to do with these? Just a container full of them, wow. right? Right. So all of a sudden they're here. And we used to have this marketing meeting with Richard every Wednesday morning at 7. Right? <laughs> and it was me and Richard and Doug with a mountain bike and the right-way salespeople. And it was like Brenda Barnes Steele who uh, worked for me for forever and then it worked for Vital and all those guys. But huge meeting, right, every Wednesday morning at 7. And at some point, and we carried it on after Richard died because this is in 98, almost two years after Richard was gone. They, someone brought up, hey, we have hundreds of these frames, mm-hmm. you know. And at the time, they were assembling power lights and Robinsons, Robinsons. and Auburns mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Right now, we have tons of parts, just all kinds of stuff, you know, white forks and blue frames and whatever, you know. And so they bring up this idea of, hey, we have this problem, right? But we just did this deal with Jeremy, so I came up with, like, hey, well, why don't we do a Jeremy bike? Yeah, yeah, throw it all together. We'll take that frame. Yeah. We've got tons of them. Mm-hmm. And we'll hang whatever other leftover shit we got in the warehouse <laughs> yeah. on it, Right? And create a Jeremy bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's know, like uh, Biggie like... called Jeremy. Okay, do it. You know, we're gonna give him I don't know five bucks a bike or right. it was something. You yeah. know what I mean? And and so here comes this. It's like the special at a restaurant. Yeah. It's it's last days. It's it's the stuff that didn't sell fresh the right. day before. Right. It was all good stuff. Yeah. It was no, just a total know, mud bike that you could yeah. not. We could not make yeah. that many more Mach One frames because we'd have to buy all the other right. yeah. properly spec parts that the dealers are expecting. Right. Mm-hmm. So we made this kind of Frankenstein mm-hmm. production bike. It looked good though. And I tell you, after I left, you guys, when I, it was in, that was in May or June, I think by later that summer, I was to ask Bob Hadley or Biggie, I said, hey, how, how that McGrath bike? said, oh, we're sold out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was a good strategy. Yeah. So. Well, let's go. Side. Go. Uh, yeah, after you left GT. So you set up. You well, set up so I kind of did some. Um, I was trying to be the agent. I did. The big deal I did, I did Brian Lopes' deal with Cannondale. Right. Which mm. I beat those guys up pretty hard. So nice. Brian was happy. He got big money. Big money. Oh, yeah, was that one his Volvo Cannondale? Yeah. Yeah, and he went from Mongoose. Right. To Volvo okay, Cannondale. so that was that's when his teammates Chasson. with Cedric probably. Caroline yeah. Chasson as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Miles Rocco. Yeah. So did that, but, the, but the whole yeah. reason I left was also I had this idea to do this thing called the vertical sport invert vertical sports carnival. Right. I could see what was they hadn't even done the X Games yet. Right. Maybe it did one year worth whatever. But I saw this idea of mixing stuff. 
you know, because, oh, well, there was the X Games, and then there was like, oh, we can mix those kind of, all those events, but have the trade show version for consumers, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my thing. And I was going to do it the first year, 98, and then we did it in 99 and 2000. I also, we were doing TV then, too, so we did Invert TV and did Pump TV. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing that all at the same time, you know? And so the first couple of years of Invert didn't do very well, lost our ass on it. That was when uh, it was indoors in Anaheim, right? Yep, at the Convention yep. Center. And just, again, idea, back to the, you know, ideas bigger than your pocketbook kind of deal, right? But the brand was cool. Everybody thought it was, you know, it was kind of a first of its kind, you know. Yeah, we did Way sprint trails. Yeah. When we did the sprint, sprint trails. trails. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was yeah. just kind of pump track that? racing. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. pump bike racing yeah. before yeah. there was pump bike racing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hired the, the guys, uh, Pat and, and Tom. It was, from, yeah, it was, like uh, a, it was like a mix between slalom, trails, and pump track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I hired with the guys with around a dropping the dropping gate. I ran the guys. I hired the guys from Dual. <clears throat> excuse me. That from they ran the Dual Slalom at Big Bear. Okay. Pat. Um, yeah. To do the timing. Mm-hmm. And we built this track that was exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. As a BMX track, but with one lane. Mm-hmm. And you guys would race against each other. It was like you racing Dual Slalom, but you didn't ever got no no cutoffs. There's no cutoffs. No, no cut cutoffs. It was Kyle's Bennett first big result on Nerf. Correct. We just picked. He just got fourth of that Triple Crown at mm-hmm. Wrightwood. And we put him on nerve, or Doug put him on nerve, and Gary, I guess yep. Gary was team manager. And Kyle's first race on nerve was invert. I think he got second <laughs> behind Christoph, I think, yeah, might have won sense. it. Yeah, Lopes was in there as well. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that was yeah. kind of the, I can yeah. look at people doing pump tracks now, I go, you know, yeah. I kind of think I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was a and you got it on TV. Were, and we got it on TV. Yeah. And then, um, and then we did one more time at the shopping center in Irvine, and that was the beginning, that was the end of the end of Invert. <laughs> before, before we go to that, let's take a little break, oh. and then we'll go back Are into you... part three in a minute. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, this is... All right, part three. So we were just about to talk about Invert. <laughs> well, the third reiteration of it. We did the first two times we tried to do it at Anaheim Convention Center. It's just too expensive. You know, mm-hmm. rent the, rent in a, go rent a convention center if you want to know. Write a big check, you know. And the idea of moving it to the Irvine Spectrum was awesome because it was dirt cheap, and they were super happy to have an event in their parking lot for all their stores. Mm-hmm. Like it was a cross promotion, you know, it was awesome, right? And uh, so we kind of took the whole model, all the contests, sprint trails, you know, king of dirt contests, you know, ramp. Yeah, moto. Too, and we yeah. did well. We did the we had did a freestyle with the LBZ team. We did a freestyle moto show the last year before at uh, Anaheim out on the loading dock. And I'm like, okay, we still need that. So we hired the metal militia guys <clears throat> to do the the freestyle show. And I think we paid them five grand a day, or I forget what it was. But um, it was supposed to be a f- um, a three day event: half a day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And this is a month after 9-11, okay? Mm-hmm. People are still pretty yeah, yeah, sensitive, tense. high alert, yeah. tense, et cetera, right? And, but, man, we knew we had a good thing going with this whole extreme sports tied in with retailers, you mm-hmm. know, and the shoe mm-hmm. companies and, you know, shopping centers. It was like, man, I was on to something. Mm-hmm. So we uh, set the whole place up, and the show opens, and we had some contests instantly. I think Brian Guest is running the King of Dirt stuff, and Sprint Trails is happening. And, man, I'm just putting out fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a firefighter runner all the time, <laughs> you know. And uh, so we had, like, a half-height contest. 
and and it's on the other side of the parking lot, and the militia guys are on the other side of the parking lot. And I did not know that, what's his name, Troy McMurray? Troy McMurray. Troy McMurray, who's an S&M writer, I think, at the time. Yeah. Or close to it, close to those guys. Had had an issue with Deegan and the militia guys from some other event, mm-hmm. right back east or something. I did not know about this. It's called a beef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> history. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, we're running the... the the events, whatever, McMurray gets, I don't know, fourth or fifth, something in the pro class, in his class, whatever, and so we owe him a check for something, 100 bucks or 300 I don't even remember what it was, but at some point he had been drinking, though, and he'd come over, and I think someone had said, hey, there's some issues going on. Someone gave me a heads up, right? Right. That there's some S-talking going on, and so uh, I remember being in the motorhome, our little operations motorhome, and I remember writing a check to Troy. I said, Troy? Go home, right? <laughs> Take your check. Go, yeah, go yeah. home, please. Well, he doesn't, right? And I don't know about what happens. You know, I just know I heard the story of the aftermath. And what had happened was he left right from there, <laughs> went to the beer stand because we're serving alcohol because that was supposed to be a big, you know, revenue generator for me being the event promoter. Hey, you're going to make lots of money selling beer. Anyhow, so he gets a full beer. He walks over, and the, the militia guys are doing a show in a closed-in fence area right for safety safety concerns and they're doing their show and riding by and hitting their ramp and doing their flips or whatever and i guess what had happened is deegan rode by or ronnie feist one of them and troy takes the full beer and just throws it through the fence at him just drenches him you know big 58 ounce super big gulp coors light you know whatever and they spin around and they just ride the motorcycles at whatever full speed whatever fast enough to bust through the chain link fence, throw the motorcycles down and start beating up Troy and security cops. And it just becomes this. All of a sudden, I just see this. I see the bikes come through the fence, you know. Uh-huh. The, the big, Yeah, just mayhem. We'll start. I'm like. Oh. And at that point, I just, I kind of blacked out <laughs> emotionally. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, this is coming to an end really fast. But what, so, you know, cops get called. Irvine PD shows up like a sea of blue lights coming from <laughs> City Hall, you know, riot gear, you know, to chill things out. And they shut our event down. I remember. For we, the whole rest of the week. Yeah, we were. Oh, they're like, you guys got to yeah. go home now. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't hardly get in three hours into our event. We're just, yeah, I think we we've just done practice in the, in the sprint trials. Mm-hmm. We haven't even started racing, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, and all that work and all you guys helping, I just, yeah, and I was just bummer. emotionally just wiped out. Mm-hmm. I'm go find it cliff to jump off of you know mm-hmm. so we tried to like stop payment on the malicious check they'd already cashed it Ugh. you know just whatever trying to conserve cash and yeah we still end up owing a bunch of people money and it was just ugly and like don't want to get in the event business anymore you know yeah. but i did it two years later tried to do something again. <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm not in the event business anymore right. too risky so what so. business are you in now well you know kind of at the time because you know the, t- the tv stuff was you know, after the event stuff, the TV thing was still of interest, and we still had the contacts at Fox and all that stuff. And in 03, the people, remember there was Blue Torch TV? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we did the crank thing and pump and all mm-hmm. these shows, right? And then uh, Fox was going to start an extreme sports TV network. And Blue Torch is imploding with the whole dot-com world, right? That mm-hmm. went yeah. away with the whole first dot-com burst, right? All that money and everything. But Fox wanted to create a channel, mm-hmm. right? And what are you going to call a channel? Oh, we don't know yet. Oh, okay. 
And I was dealing with a lady I'd met, one gal uh, up there. And she goes, hey, we think we're going to we're gonna call the channel Fuel, hmm. right? Fuel and we're TV. looking for content, right? Can you guys make a, make a clip show for us? Which a clip show is like you take other stuff you've done and... Yep, you patch know, it together. And yeah, patch yeah, it together yeah. and you make a half-hour show, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Come up with a name and, and we'll pay. We need, you know... We need 104 episodes of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it was really good, right? And so we came up with the name Surge. That mm-hmm. was the name of the show. Surge, mm-hmm. Pump, Inver- mm-hmm. you know, just right. all the crank, you know, all the, <laughs> the one-syllable names mm-hmm. that are sound exciting and edgy and extreme, you know. So Surge, we created Surge. We did 104 episodes of Surge. It was the first show produced for Fuel TV. All right. And it was just made up of all the inverts and cranks and pumps and extremes, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, like Mega Mix. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they pay, didn't pay us very much for them, right? Because it was easy. It was just you're editing something, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we got five grand an episode or something like that. But we were able to, you know, buy this new Vericam Panasonic HD camera. And so Don Hoffman, my partner, we decided to form Pipeline Digital Media. And Don Hoffman um, was friends with Stacy Peralta, mm-hmm. right? And Dogtown Z-Boys had just come mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a hit. And it was awesome. And we're like, God, oh, we should do, what do we want to do? Let's do something like Dogtown, mm-hmm. but about something else, right? And, well, what do you want to do, BMX? Uh, the audience isn't big enough, you know, for, mm-hmm. to do about retro BMX, like BMX something, right? And I'm like, hey, how about motocross? Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on the sport in the 70s. These are all heroes of mine, but you only knew these guys in the magazines. Mm-hmm. That's all you saw. They were pictures in the magazine. That's it. You know, famous guys, Roger DeCoster and Bob Hanna and Brad Lackey and everything. So, hey, let's create a, a show, kind of a behind-the-music mm-hmm. biography I show. I used to love that. Across. That was a good one, yeah. yeah. The H1, oh, my God, so good. So with, with the guys at High Torque, uh, Jimmy McElvain, uh, because we knew him from the bicycle days, hooked us up with uh, Brad Lackey. Or no, hooked me up with this guy named Super Hunk. He used to be an editor for Dirt Bike. And... We met up with Brad Lackey at Carlsbad when the last Christmas race they had in 03, and we shot a little interview with him about him winning the world championships, and then in 82, and then Jimmy McElvain introduced us to Marty Smith, who was my personal hero when I was a kid, and we shot an interview with him, and so we made this little demo reel, you know, it was like five minutes long, mm-hmm. kind of like a sizzle reel, mm-hmm. and we shot that for like a year, and finally Speed said, oh yeah, we'll take some of those. And so they were like, we had like five episodes of Motocross Files. And that turned into 21 episodes of mm-hmm. Motocross Files and all the other. So all of a sudden we're instantly in the moto business, mm. known for doing this stuff. And nice. So we do that now. You know, we do storytelling and corporate video work and maybe going to be getting back into doing some of that storytelling with some BMX stories. So Yeah, that's what was going to be one of my questions, you yeah. know. And every time I see you once, twice a year, I'm like, man, you need to get back in the game. And, you know, it's a good time to come in and. Yeah. Do something cool. We're all kind of need something right now, you know? Yeah. It could be a good so, opportunity, you know? You know, we, because of the whole streaming, all the new streaming platforms, you know, in the past with the motocross files, you know, you had to, you know, it was TV, right? And so you had to go do a deal with Fox or Sportsnet or Speed or whatever. And now, and those shows are expensive to produce, you know, versus just shooting a BMX race one day and it goes on the air that day, you know, documentary work is like months and months and months of work, you know? So, it's expensive to do them, and that's, you know, BMX huh, doesn't make much sense, you know, but 
now with all these streaming platforms and mm-hmm. everything's there's all these niche markets mm-hmm. like yeah. Facebook and yeah, you know yeah. there's a the Auburn Fanatics we're just talking about that driving up here aren't we yeah. our little communities yeah. every brand yeah. has yeah. several thousand people that are yeah. the fan Die-hards. base for that brand you know yeah. and so yeah. it's like you know between all the you know all of a sudden collectively yeah yeah you know, maybe there's an audience for a BMX Files mm-hmm. yeah. TV show so that's uh, something that's kind of being considered with a a streaming throwback kind of a channel. Well, you, you know, and then so. you're doing something with Jack already, right? Kind of. Yeah. So yeah. a couple of years ago, um, actually, it was Greg Grubbs, our friend Greg Grubbs, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, and and Scott Town. Mm-hmm. Scott. They, we'd been talking about another project, and I think it was Scott. You know, some said, "Hey, you guys, someone should do a a story about the Jag team." Mm-hmm. And not so much just the Jag team, but mainly those guys that came out of South Central LA, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Tommy Brackens. Turnell Henry, Anthony Sewell, yeah. you know, and how that whole thing got going. I go, God, that's a great idea. Phil yeah. Maxwell. Phil Maxwell, part yeah. of it too, you know. So we've been working actually a couple of years now to get that thing off the ground, and we're maybe kind of close to some money raising mm-hmm. to do it, you know. And it's expensive. I don't do things, you know, we're not going to just go with an iPhone and yeah, yeah. shoot an interview. Yeah, everything you do is good. You yeah. know, it has yeah. to be done right. Yeah, yeah. like a real movie because we want to yeah. be in the theaters with it. We want to go to Sundance Film Festival with it, yes. you know, so... It's half a million dollars at, yes. at the low end to yeah. do it right, you know, because, you know, every time you pull out the camera, it's three or four grand, you know, and, mm-hmm. oh, you got 50 interviews. Okay, so that's 200 grand just in mm-hmm. putting it in the can. And you don't have any editing in it yet, or you don't have mm-hmm. any cool licensed music from the 1970s or the 80s right. that you want to put in it to make it really awesome. So yeah. we're getting close on that. I think it's going to happen. So that's rad. People are really excited about that, they, of course, with what's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A feel-good story, untold sports story. Yeah, there's so many, of, so many stories I haven't been told, aren't they? You know. Well, yeah, and those guys coming out of South Central LA, you mm. know, which, yeah, lots of stories come out of there, but it's about you it's, know music or sports or gangs or yeah, this is this is you know it's niche and it's it's not it's atypical, right? It's not something that you would nope. expect. That picture of Tommy. Tooney and Bracken oh, with like their badasses? shirts off, just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. that's so rad. It's one of yeah. my favorite pictures. Same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it tells kind of the whole story, you know. Yeah. Once I, and you know, I think we all can agree, BMX has no color, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't see any color. You know, it wasn't that way when I was racing. It was that way when I was racing against, you know, Tommy and all those guys at Ascot Park on Wednesday nights in '82. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that, mm-hmm. and Ascot and Gardena. You know, that was kind of like the place we all rode, right? Mm-hmm. And that was right in the middle between. You know, Bellflower Lake with Long Beach, where we were coming from, and the hood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was Gardena, right. you know? Right. And every, you know, those are the sweet, sweetheart guys, you know? And, and mm-hmm. their stories, and when I start talking about, oh, we didn't really realize that, oh, those guys had to go back home, mm-hmm. you know? And, man, there's some rough neighborhoods, you know? Guys having to dodge drive-by shootings and yeah. kind of being forced to do tricks through gang territory, you know, mm-hmm. hey, ride a wheelie, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want to ride through our turf, you know, yeah. show us some tricks, you know. And, yeah. And riding away from people trying to steal your bikes, you know, mm-hmm. wonder you got fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's an interesting story, and, it's a, and it happens to be about BMX. And yeah, I'm excited be, to see it's it. Gonna be, it's going to be good, so hopefully we're shooting that next year, you know, so. And that, you've been be doing, you, you've already done... A GT mountain bike documentary, right? Which that probably like a year ago now, right? Yeah, Six it was just on ago. the full suspension bikes. Okay, we that was were it. hired by. Yeah, what started off as a conversation of 
you know. Hey, do you guys have a, any copies of Dead Sailor? We want to release that as a free <laughs> right. giveaway. We have, all, we have all the library stuff. Yeah, so yeah. To, hey, what do you guys have on the old reels? You know, and what turned into was going to be like an eight-minute video. That was video cool, though. Yeah, it was cool, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, what happened was is, you know, they wanted an eight-minute movie video on History of GT's full suspension, right? So, oh, and you want Furtado in it, and you want you know, Mike King and... You know, Brian Lopes, all these Carter, guys yeah. in it, right? And Eric Carter and yeah. you know, all these legends in it, right? And Doug and Gary. And I, all of a sudden, we do the interview. Okay, well, to get to eight minutes, I start with 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I show them 30 minutes. And they like it. And they're like going, we got to do this. Well, that's awesome, too. Yeah. Right? So how do we do the whole thing? Well, it costs more to finish it. Because yeah. I'm just showing them a rough edit, right? Just the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right? I was going to have to chop it all down to get to eight minutes to finish it. Well, they say, let's make it longer. Well, let's keep it long. Okay. And then through delays, just corporate stuff, you know. Um, then they come back and go, oh, we want to add current guys to it. Well, yeah. Right? Which makes sense, right? Where we are today. Bring it, and, bring yeah, it yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And so they want to add Martin Mays, yep. mm-hmm. you know, which is their new haunch. Yeah, guy. yeah, He's yeah. an awesome guy. You yeah. Know? You can tell he's awesome. Um, and his dad rode. GT and his dad back rode in I saw that. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was super neat. Yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't know who Martin was, yeah. whatever, you know. So we had to wait, you know, because he's a... Belgium or something. A big shot Belgian guy. Yeah. So through his schedule, where they're going to be in training camps. And so finally they get the footage from him. We add him. And also now it's, you know, mm-hmm. 50, 50 minutes long, you know, because we added solid 10 minutes of him in. And then I'm like, okay, well, we're at 50. Why not? Now I'm not, now on the passion project. I don't worry about the money. It's got, you know, now it's like, how do we make it even more? we got to awesome? make it right. <laughs> yeah. we got to we got to tell the story. the 30 yeah. turns to, you know, whatever. Now it's 50 minutes long, you know. So it was fun, you know. And, and we hope to get some more work off it, whether it's a, other brand story or you've got to do whatever, a gta you know. bmx could be i mean know. look at them stories and we've only just touched on a few <laughs> no. yeah. you know i know and the problem is there's just not tons of footage and archival stuff you know there's me and romero's got a lot of stuff on our camp <laughs> some hey, stuff we can to... some stuff we can share some stuff we can't some stuff <laughs> but we carry me and greg during the night you know during yeah, two or three years we carried our cameras a lot i've got a lot of oh, okay. funny stuff and i know greg has as well well, so yeah, there is this yeah. brief moment, yeah. in, at least with BMX, to where there was it was post crank TV stuff. Magazines were waning; they were still there, yeah, but yeah. it was kind of some funkiness there. And the Prior internet, smartphones, and the and the internet, yes, and the internet hadn't quite from a from a coverage standpoint, yeah, caught up. So there's a lot of lost lost stuff there, and I say Fine. that selfishly because that those were a lot of my best competing mm. you well, it's like where'd that race go i don't know yeah no one has it you know well and it just seems like again like the, with the streaming platforms there's now a way to to create these niche mm-hmm. programs to a pretty big audience because yeah. it could be highly targeted to wear a you know bmx version of the motocross files or fun little stories and movies about mm-hmm. yeah you know you guys or i mean i personally you know the jag thing is kind of the, the first thing kind of on our radar screen because of it's just so important, and it's the timing is right for yeah. it. Yeah, you know, Scott, the Scott Breithop story. Yeah, is something that yeah. you know mm-hmm. I would love to tell. It's a little bit more of an edgy, mm-hmm. tragic story, you know. Um, but there's neat stories now, and there's an audience for it, and the way these social media groups and things like that have been, yeah, you know, uh, targeted. It's you're going to reach them, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going to yes. become your biggest evangelists mm-hmm. right. you know promoters of it once it's out there yeah know? yeah no true so yeah. Oh, the word of know, mouth fun, and yeah, social so. media shares that you know yeah 
Well, exciting to know. Like you say, awesome. you're, you're watching and you're looking at racing. What, what's your thoughts on racing? I know we chat a little bit about it. Did you see it today? You know, I honestly, Joe, I'm not around it too much. You know, I went to the first big race a couple of years ago for the Hall of Fame. You know, it was one of those Olympic qualifier mm-hmm. things, like the last one where they picked the last person. And I was yeah. more like a deer in the headlights mm-hmm. of like, oh, my gosh, like mm-hmm. never on my best day would I get out there and <laughs> try to ride that track. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's like crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I do, you know, I follow enough to kind of see online kind of what people are thinking and, mm-hmm. and with where the sport's going and, you know, kids and young people are distracted enough. They got all these other forces pushing on them, you know, but man, when you see, and it's kind of like, you know, people that want to buy, you know, a motorcycle, you know, when all they see is this extreme stuff on television or on videos or YouTube videos, you know, backflips and supercross and, you know, 300 foot <laughs> triple jumps and whatever, you go, oh, not my kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I kind of see some of that kind of with BMX, you know, you see these huge supercross tracks and asphalt and hauling ass and crap. I don't know if it was you or someone I recently learned that, you know, these days when guys crash on a BMX track, they get, get hurt, really yeah, hurt. Beat mm-hmm. up, yeah. You know, you're not just brushed yourself off because I went over the bars or I slid out and I turned. You know, it's like you get major hurt. layers of skin have come mm-hmm. off and, mm-hmm. you know, broken bones and, you know, things like that. So it's a little, and I can, it just feels like all that stuff kind of came out of the Olympic movement and it was going to happen anyway. But, you know, between the kids not, you know, kind of being encouraged to get involved with that because everybody's afraid of their, you know, hover parents and mm-hmm. getting hurt and stuff and they see you know i don't know it's it's tough and it kind of hurts my heart a little bit to you know see that you know what we had and you mm-hmm. know kind of where it's going now you know because yeah there's lots of distractions and you know i hey i gotta hand it to the usa bmx though i mean how somehow they're they're still getting the kids to the races and signing up and they're yeah you know, the whatever the 60 and over expert 20 inch class or whatever that they'll you know, be careful i'm coming up to that <laughs> yeah, yeah guys yeah, i raced yeah, against yeah. an 81 yeah. you know those are still the, racing. Those are the, yeah. well i think um you know the covid the covid piece you know bikes of all kinds have just been selling oh yeah no the know, COVID's the been one of the, and i think ironically it's the yeah. best thing to happen and, and i think it's mm-hmm. um bikes are fun you know yeah. like i don't think it i think i think people might have forgotten that just in general, like, you know, whether they just, their old, their bike was sitting in their garage with flat tires yeah, or they got new ones, but there's something about, um, you know, even the couple of races I went to just like locally, um, yeah, there seems to be an energy again around it. So I don't know. And just, and that's everything from BMX through mountain, but it seems like more people are gravitating to getting on bikes, but yeah, I mean, you go to a bike shop now, it looks like the place has been eluded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, a good thing. The warehouse, the horrors, you know, the warehouse is so bare, you know, and I know that's yeah. happening in a lot, of, a lot of factories and brands have got the same problem. Good problem, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I saw on, I don't know if it was UDL that posted something about ABA, USA BMX announcing they're just going to have one pro class now. Yeah. yeah. A pro. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, well, well no, that's what, the, that, well, that's, what, that's what they've been doing pro. this year. Next year now, they've just put out a schedule. I don't know if you looked online yesterday, Jason. They put out a new schedule, which looks good. Yeah. Uh, so props to them to look like, you know, we thought pro racing was going to be done. A proper series. A proper series, but they have deleted um, no A pro, you know, which so, obviously so you, huge. When you turn pro, you're yeah. pro. You're pro. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's fair. I mean, because 
if you don't have the riders to support it, I mean, that's why you have a 16 over <laughs> expert 20 inch class, you know, with Harry Larry and it's Greg no Gold different than when Eric Root turned Griffin. pro at 14, you know, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, they're just no, for sure. There was that's just where that's just where racing is in the U.S. at least. I was talking to a parent the other day. Uh, I, I'm kind of okay with it because let's be real. I mean, at least when the, in the U.S., I'm gonna get I'm gonna take it for saying this, but there's only three guys that can win in the U.S. The bench is isn't that deep. No, so it's not like. Yeah, it's not like there's, there's, not like there's well, eight or ten guys that could win that yeah. day. I mean, there's just not. Yeah, you know, and it's say when Connor and Corbin and Nick Long and Elise yeah. Post, Brooke Crane are gone, then that's their. It's wide that's, open. That's yeah, it's going to be it's wide open. Yeah. Well, I, I think I made a comment today about like, hey, maybe it's just resetting to the late seventies. Yeah, 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 I read right? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's called yeah, market pro correction. Yeah, 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 pro racing. You yeah. know, a wild man told me that years ago. It's like you know, we're just talking about current racing and stuff he said you know it's the reset will come and we'll go back to being in the dirt field and, and, and stuff fine. and and it says you know what that's okay you know it's we'll totally rebuild okay. again you know yeah. So, on bikes yeah know. yeah yeah well i mean because that's but that was the to me i think that was a bit of the i don't want to say complaint but that was what was what was missing from our sport was that that the the energy the being in the dirt in the fields i mean i love that mm. we went olympic and it became i don't know official or whatever mainstream. you want to call it, mainstream. Oh, yeah. um, but I think you lost a bit of the um, the culture around it, too. Yeah. With you know, It became about training and weights and sprints versus just... Let's, yeah, I don't even know when... What, I mean, it had compete. to have been about 80 or 81 that the whole single A, double A, A pro, B pro mm -hmm. with NBL came about. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I raced... I got number two pro in UBR, which was a local NorCal sanctioning body that we raced in in 82... But that was just pro. You were just, mm -hmm. you know, it was good, you know, because that was our, and maybe I did good there. And we had good guys that would come up and race that, you know, Tinker Juarez was always mm -hmm. there. Clint Miller was always there. A lot mm -hmm. of guys from SoCal would come up and race those races. Could they do all of them? Like I was focusing on to get a title? You know, mm -hmm. probably not. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, but my series, I felt comfortable. I did good at those races. Even yeah, those yeah. Guys were in, you know, but. Yeah, I go to Chandler or something, single A or whatever, man. It's a pretty stacked class, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, maybe I did get in pro open a few times, you know, but it was just different, you know. Mm -hmm. And but when you know, in the late seventies and whatever before that, it was the pro class, and you know, the pro class, and like I mentioned on the some Facebook comment that you know they had the thing called the Trophy Dash, mm -hmm. and some of that man, that was the biggest race of the yeah. night, mm -hmm. yeah. Trophy Dash, because. The winner of the pro class, the winner of pro open, the winner of 16 over expert, and the winner of the 16 over open, oh, all the way down yeah. to 14X. Yep. You get on the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right? All of them. Mm -hmm. Eight guys, but the youngest, I think, being 14. It was the winner's race. It was yeah. the winner's race. And mm -hmm. it was a big deal, you know? And, and, you know, our buddy Rod Beckering is legendary. I think he won the trophy dash at the Van Nuys, big race in Van Nuys, 14 years old. And those Jaguar championships, the you know, pros weren't included, but when they did the... For amateurs, Richie Anderson won in Tropicana Hotel, mm -hmm. and then I think he won the one in Burbank the year after as well yeah. when he came from the back with yeah. Darwin Griffin. So I love watching those videos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome Richie Anderson. Both those laps of Richie Anderson. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a decent reset. I, I think, think it's going to be. I think if, yeah. if they're showcased well, and I think if I think it gives some of the amateurs maybe something to shoot for. I'm glad that they can turn pro at 17. Yeah, yeah. Waiting till 19. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So he's able to turn pro at 16. Know, mm, even early, I think yeah. Hill, them guys. I got. Yeah. Tur I turned pro because they needed to make a gate. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> and a race. So yeah, I turned pro because I didn't have enough rider count to get <laughs> that's, national, that's exactly, that's, uh, to get age group number, not age group, to get overall amateur. I was ready. One. Yeah, I was ready in my neighborhood to do that. I was yeah. in our area. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, I was, yeah, I was winning every all the amateur stuff and a lot of national stuff. And like, guys, like, hey, we need one more. We'll make a yeah. class. And you know, I got signed no that night. You know, made some money and that's what it's all it's about. Yeah, you know, you know so it was fun. But somebody suggested, and I think it's a really good idea. Is have a trophy dash kind of a thing, mm-hmm. but stack the team sheet points mm. heavily on that one race. Yeah, because then you know, a fourteen-year-old, which is a highly popular class, which you're going to want a fourteen-year-old on your team sheet, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Probably still to this day, right? Is pretty it's good, good, rider good, good, good rider count, right? Mm. Well, now the pro means something. Yeah, right? Right. yeah. And so, because we never, Gary Ellis was never on a team sheet. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. None of the pros were on team sheets. Right. Like GT. You know, but this would be a good reason to put a pro on a team. Yeah, team, yeah. Right? And it's encouraging it's to for teams, like, you know, for to, to have a legit team as well, yeah. you know, instead of I just... I think it's a good idea, yeah. you know. Because people would definitely focus. And that was probably maybe part of, you know, because BMS gets so big and the grounds with, you know, 500 motos or whatever, mm. you know, it is. It's like you lose sight of, oh, the pros are on the gate. Mm. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, no, we're all staying yeah. for whatever, you know. And, and uh, yeah, Trophy Dash could be like that thing you know yeah for solid 40 seconds of the best of the best of the best yeah. mm-hmm. you know and maybe to see a young guy an amateur get in there and mix it up yeah yeah become a well, there's definitely some guys who, who can right so i mean there's some kids coming up that have a lot of talent but oh you, you remember know. i mean you guys remember that, that you know when that whatever 16 over expert main would happen it was as big many well you know they came through like 30 seconds or mm-hmm. <laughs> semis or 16ths yeah. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, expert was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was as big as watching the pro guys mm-hmm. go out, yeah. you know, was that race, you know. And I don't know if the sport has that now, you know. It definitely needs, needs or to be. just anxious to get home. Get to the weekend go home because dad's got to go to work. Yeah, like, well, just more of a machine and not so much. Well, not a, even, not even, yeah, they're, they're, but they want their points. They want their sponsor. They want their, like everyone is so focused on <laughs> their brand. Right, right, right. For everyone from intermediate to expert, that they they're just there for that piece, and then they're out. Um, they're you know, and then they have their own phone, so they can they can create their own media. So there's no, you know, it's interesting. It, so yeah, everyone's kind of there for their own reasons. Versus, well, and if the and if USA BMX has a good pro schedule, and there's, you're saying there's only three guys or whatever, well, they'll cycle through those three guys. But yeah. man, those. On the cusp, amateurs are going to move right in there. Yeah, and that's now, what I'm guess hoping. What? Now you got eight guys, yeah. right? And as, as long as everybody, you know, does their promotion yeah. out social media, well, you don't uh, have BMX. I think the fear. Or, I think the fear is who's going to turn. You know, without that kind of stepping stone, who's going to turn pro? Because you're kind of thrown to the wolves. But I don't think so. I think you just. Yeah, I'm up. still. On, I I still like that stepping stone, but I'm interested to see how it goes. I did read comments on both sides. Yeah. My, you know, I. My it's comment. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the stepping stone and, and the guys that had no desire to go pro but just wanted to pay yeah. for gas and dinner and happy yeah. to make a couple of mains and, 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 and work yeah, the a career nine five. A pro is yeah. gone. Yeah, That's but I, sure. I, I still think it was a, there was a place for that guy and there's yeah. uh, something about to oh, attack me. What is it? It's a cockroach. Okay, great. He survived a million years <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the Fox Theater. Now he wants to be on the podcast. Do not move him. Do not move it. That's awesome. <laughs> Last question, Todd. Yeah. Tell us about the book you're working on. <laughs> so, uh, Richard Long, obviously, we all know Richard, co-founder with Gary Turner of GT. So, uh, his 
wife, Wanda, um, had been talking about doing a book for years, and we'd all said, oh, a richer book would be great. And I've known Wanda forever, and uh, so I've been helping Wanda, and Doug Martin's been part of it, too. Um, <laughs> Stay away from my back. With a book about Richard that uh, it's been about, gosh, we're five or six years into it now. Um, and it's a full-on business, bike nice. industry, you know, human interest uh, biography book that's going to come out next year about that's Richard. Awesome. And it's, obviously it's got a lot of Gary in there, but man, it, it, it also becomes the history of the sport, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm not writing it. I'm working very closely with Roy Wallach, the author. And so we'd found another writer um, and had talked to another one. And then those didn't fall, come together. So then uh, a couple years ago, Wanda hired Roy. And, you know, Roy's a cyclist, road cyclist. He writes training books on training and things mm. like that. But he, you know, nothing about BMX, nothing about GT, mm-hmm. right? So he was a total newbie. And so he just kind of started with, you know, he did a little research on his own, you know, obviously, but then it was picking our brains about who to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, about the whole story and, you know, getting things, you know, chronological history things right and everything. And, man, he wrote one, like, he kind of auditioned to write mm-hmm. the book, you know, like, okay, write, write, a, write us a chapter. Mm-hmm. So he kind of wrote the first chapter of the book, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, are you kidding? Holy cow. Okay. Knock your socks off. First wow. paragraph, right? And so it was like, okay, you can be the guy to do this. And so Wanda hired him, and he's been working on it for two years, wow. you know, already. It's done. The book is written. At least the first draft of 11 chapters is what it is. You know, it, it starts with Richard's beginning and be how he got in the bike business. I think there'll probably be an audio version of it, too. So, mm-hmm. um, And then Gary and the history of BMX and then how they got together. And then it moves through the early years of those two working together and, you know, and, you know, Andy Patterson's in it, Dave Marietti and That's Lee awesome. Medlin and these guys are all part of the story, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. which is really cool. You know, uh, Rob Fade and, and, uh, moves into the whole freestyle thing with Richard coming to Bob Morales and Eddie Fuel to go, Hey, can you guys design me a frame for this new thing called freestyle? Is there anything different you would do? And they're like, yeah, let's put some frame rails mm-hmm. up here. And, and that whole era of freestyle, and then, hey, we got to get into this mountain bike thing, and mm-hmm. kind of stepping on their toes with the first couple of mountain bikes they made, and they hired Bill During from Florida, from James Cycles, where TC works now. Wow. Yeah. And he just set the world on fire with their new designs and Triple Triangle, and then that led into, hey, we got to get into road bikes, and, oh, this Olympic thing fell in our lap, <laughs> you know, for the 96 Olympic Games. And then just all the acquisitions of all the right ways and scooping up companies and BMX and kind of becoming the firm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that all part of the whole story. Yeah, we didn't use the word firm yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're all kind of proud of the firm now. I think yeah. at the time we're like, yeah, like a negative or, right. you know, but it's now the firm. Yeah, know, yeah. It's it cool to be part of it. I like it. It became yeah. the firm, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, all the way up through Richard's accident in 1996 and, and then the aftermath, which is really kind of sad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's a super inspirational story. You know, you learn a lot about the bicycle industry, whether you're a BMX person or a freestyle mountain bike, Olympic, whatever, you know. And it's a, so good, I think it's it's a good, good American dream story, too. I mean, that's, that's life, man. It's yeah, I mean, all. Richard, you know, he, he got into the bike business because he was in a motorcycle accident. 
right? Mm-hmm. He got a settlement from a motorcycle accident and told his wife, what am I going to do with this money? <laughs> right. That I didn't know. Yeah. No, I didn't uh, know that either. Yeah. Yeah. And he found in an ad in a magazine, he said you can buy a Col- Columbia Bicycle franchise wow. to sell Columbia Bicycles. <laughs> and he created Anaheim Bicycle Center to start selling bicycles, right? Knew nothing of bicycles. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It wasn't like a fan. It's close to a motorcycle. <laughs> it has two wheels. But it was down the street from yeah. the Western Sports Arama yep. where they're racing BMX, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden, all these kids keep coming in and go, how come we don't have any BMX bikes in here? And he's like, yeah. what's going on down there? And he goes, oh, holy cow. There's a crap load of kids riding bikes. Mm-hmm. And that's where we met Gary, right? And so, you know, the rest Richard's the industry and GT starts with a motorcycle accident creating the money to buy the bike shop that created the Anaheim Bicycle Center. And, of course, the highlight, the heyday of GT ends, kind of. It goes to 98 or so, whatever, when I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, ends with... Richard getting killed in a motorcycle accident wow. on the way to the bike races. Like crazy. Yeah. Full bookend. Yeah. You know? That was a, that was a, I was at that race at summit, that Norba race. You were there. I was there. So I, hardest, it was 48 rough, hours of it my was life. A rough, it was a rough week for a lot of us. Yeah. Happened on TC's birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was at the races with the team. And if I called him, someone called him, he'd heard her that it got announced, like something that traveled all the way back east quickly. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. All, all the news, you know, so it was rough. I still have dreams that Richard's in. It's amazing to this day, 25 years later. Wow. Yeah. But you all crossed the finish line together. With Julie. With Julie, yeah. Furtado won that day. And, and was, I didn't watch She was so yeah. far out yeah. in front. That we all gathered, and she just stopped. Mm-hmm. That's good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, a good ending. Is there? Yeah. A... So the book. So the book will come out. We hope next year. So Exciting. maybe just in time for Christmas. I mean, it'll be like the must-have Christmas gift. Absolutely. I'm not a book person, of... but I want to read it. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's fun. So next to the S and <laughs> well, and it ends, and, and, the, and the book kind of ends with where yeah. the industry's at today, yeah, which is really one. nice, right? It yeah. ends with, you know, e-bikes and TLs in it talking mm-hmm. about what he's doing mm-hmm. and, you know, BMX because they interviewed, I think, interviewed BA or Shannon, you know, and the tracks mm-hmm. are doing good in the Olympics. And so it all ends on a kind of a positive note, but it definitely, after Richard, it goes into this whole bummer about yeah, the, yeah. the bankruptcy and mm-hmm. 9-11 happened, you know, that whatever happened that day with the... You know, which is interesting in itself mm-hmm. with the teams and everything. So TC's in it talking about, you know, kind of um, they told him to shut down the teams. And he's like, TC's like, screw this. I've got sponsors I got committed yeah, to. Yeah, We're going yeah, to the races. And yeah. finding a way to still go to the races when management. Yeah, there was a race yeah. in the guys are saying, PA then. You're done. Yeah. TC says, oh, we're going to the races. You know? Yeah. It happened, you know. So hmm. interesting. Just cool stuff. So. It was great talking, man. Yeah, it was really awesome. appreciate it. Well, we could. I hope still, it'll be interesting. For no, your, I, I know the listeners, the people that listen to this are our kind of ear. The majority yeah. are, and I will enjoy this. I enjoyed it, and there's so much more. Like I say, there's so much out there. There's, there's not so much. There's nothing. There's a lot of stuff not out there that still. Hopefully, you can be one of the guys to help bring it through in the next few years because we all love the stories of some of these dudes and some of the great yeah. things that share. Well, again, there's there's more and more of an audience. I think. Mm-hmm. these days because the social media <laughs> the, the good part of it it's finding these people and allowing yeah. them to connect yeah. right? and so now they're congregating to where now they're a, 
an audience that the word exploit is not the right one, but you can yeah, tailor, yeah. create content and that they're going to watch and aggregate them together. So let's hope we can do more. There's of a it. lot of BMX fans and a lot of people who owned a GT or wanted a GT or I followed BMX. a lady up. I pulled that, yeah. taking my daughter to school yesterday, and some lady, old lady, came by and she had a bike rack. Almost the first thing you do, you look at what bike she had, That's and right. she had she had a Zascar, a blue, oh, the wow. bluey turquoisey nice. Zascar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously old. And, it's funny when yeah, you she's see. Good for a ride. Used to go on the yeah. ski. We'd go on the ski trip to Colorado with my wife's company and. Uh, Every year, I'd see this old LTS locked up <laughs> to a frozen bike rack, but it was there every year. And it's just hey, I ride a GT that, still you know, today. I got yeah. a new GT Force 29er, you know, which is amazing. Oh, nice. So you're in contact with a new, oh, not in the words new, but you're the GT yeah, up well, now. Yeah, because we produced yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. thing for Oh, of course, and, yes. And they yes. flowed me, thank you, guys. A new mountain bike because I had an old, That's old, a nice old bike. iDrive bike. And who's and the Todd, riding who's a Todd Huffman nowadays? <laughs> Mike Morrow. Okay, I don't know. Is, uh, yeah. I think he's my counterpart. Right. You know, he's the guy I always talk to. And, yeah. You know, but, man, that company, he, he's worn it. There's like three of them. Right. Talk about you know? passion, though. I got I to gotta give Steve Spencer credit. Man. Yeah, Steve he, works with them, too. He yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. He's just as passionate about the brand. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and old enough to know some of the keep, good things keep to the keep, legacy, keep the heritage, yeah. I'm yep. sure, yep. you know? Yep, and they did that deal with uh, Gary and, and Craig. On yes, that, yeah. I saw that, yeah. Thing. There's maybe another something brewing that's related to that. So it's fun, you know, I, I kind of feel for those guys because, like, Mike, I know he wears about a bazillion hats, and I'm looking like, oh, we had 70 people on his Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just different, you yeah. know? yeah. So... Um, Another good guy to have on, maybe at some point. Yeah, Steve yeah. Spencer. Steve, yeah, when you're in sure. SoCal, let us know. Hey, and big shout out! I don't think I mentioned, you know, Biggie. Yeah. Either Eric, thanks for yeah. being part of the the crew. You know, our little group that came over when we went to work at GT was, you know, TC and Biggie were on the road mm-hmm. doing tour. You know, doing mm-hmm. clinics, and and Robert Kaler came over with me, so that was our little crew, and they've all been friends to this day, and it's good to see where all those guys are what they're doing now yeah you know they're all... we've done podcasts now with tc biggie you're the number three did you do danny Nelson yet no but he's on we're he's on the, the list. list he's on the list <laughs> we're not in a hurry we want it like yeah. say like today Gary's it's got to be the, the right time yeah. and we don't want to rush like when yeah. when it's when it's right where we can get in the car and go and hang out and and do it we we, we definitely want to do danny we have we're not going to announce it yet we do have a date with somebody in, in Las Vegas yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah. Um, a biggie. A major. A biggie. A okay. biggie. So we're excited that goes through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're slowly getting around. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, fun to include some of the business side of, yes. of this sport. A lot of people like love that part, little, you know. That's good. You know. Some lore behind all that. Yeah, the firm, yeah. Mm-hmm. The operations Absolutely. of the firm back in the day. So it's fun. Absolutely. So well, look for the book, everybody. Coming next yeah. year. And cool, if people want to follow you, Todd, or check you out, get in touch, you know? Well, I guess I'm on Instagram, Todd Huffman Filmmaker. You know, that's a pretty easy one. Mm-hmm. I know what else else to put. You know, yeah. there, was, there was already that's another good. Todd Huffman, I guess. So, Todd Huffman Filmmaker, I'm on Instagram. I don't put it, post enough on there as much as I should. But we've got the Motocross Files Facebook page, and I'm just Todd Huffman on, the Facebook, on Facebook, too. So. And for the old school guys that like the old Todd Lyons big bike thing, you've actually got your own custom Auburn, which is yeah, pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, Craig Turner and Gary Turner built me a custom 29er Auburn, I don't know, booze cruiser, I guess you might as well call it now, you know, but it looks cool. Super and, nice, yeah. And Toby bike Henderson. Life. Hey. Only Auburn out there with bike life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Toby Henderson, 
you know, old friend from way back. That's right. Put some box parts on yeah, it. Yeah, it's trick. Me, which yeah. is a good yeah. trick. And then I got some of those no, new Yoshimura pedals, pedals. pedals yeah, yeah, on yeah. it, you know. So it's pretty cool, you know. I like Just, it, you know. Yeah. I, I, when, Do you have a bike lock? Because that's a nice bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I oh, cool. More. So I got an Auburn and a GT, so that's nice. good. I got bikes. Nice, nice. So, nice. You know. Good stuff. Well, thanks, you Todd. Take care. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, and uh, we'll try and get another, hopefully, another big hitter in, in December. That's and it. then we'll move, up, move on big to our, here, our other big hitter, hopefully, in Vegas in January. And we'll do a few scoopy things in between. I'm sure me and you will, Jason. So, yeah. cool. Thanks for listening. Catch you all later. See Peace. ya.